podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. They could break here, Chelsea. This could be the moment. Frank Lampard for Chelsea. It's Carvalho to his right. Lampard for the title. Lampard, it's 2-0. It's Chelsea's championship. And 50 years of waiting have come to an end. Lampard comes out to Essien. Hello, welcome to Shazzy Hour. My name is Meads and I'll be your host for this one. I'm joined by two very special guests. Buzzy, all the way from the States. How are you saying, bro? I'm good, man. How are you guys doing? Yeah, can't complain. I mean, obviously, uh, a dub against Ops does good. Does wonders for the mood, you know what I mean? Mm. Wonders for the mood, but um, yeah, man, can't complain, can't complain. And lastly, joined by Shems. What are you saying, bro? Delighted, bro. Delighted to get another three points at uh, White Hart Lane. You know, it's been a theme over the years, but <laughs> I've tasty. I got some stuff to go for my chest, so oh, of course, of course. Literally. I mean, because it's Chessy, we're never quite 100% happy. Um, but yeah, I, there, there, there's obviously a lot to get through. I think I just want to get straight into it to be honest. Um, massive game at White Hart Lane. Pochettino returns back to Spurs after they're flying in the league, top of the table at that point in time. Um, I actually think Man City actually picked them, um, just before we played. Actually, they played on um, the other day, and yeah, Spurs are flying. It, um, it looked like it was a bit of a mismatch, really. And very rarely have Chelsea gone into a game against Spurs as kind of the underdogs. And um, it's a sp- spooky hour still. Um, so before <laughs> the game, looked at the lineup and we're like, okay, you know, it's familiar. We're, we're, we're not too sad about it. Um, but yeah, Buzzy, talk to me. When you saw the lineup and you saw Spurs in their rich vein of form, what were you thinking? In fact, let's not even talk about the lineup. Let's talk about the build-up to the game. How mm-hmm. are you feeling in terms of going into the game generally? Uh, obviously nervous, given the given the two, which you know you never want to do facing Spurs with the the history we've had with them. You you uh, we enjoyed those years of being the top dog, but this is the <laughs> this is the first time we were not you know truly clearly expected to be the underdog. Um, so that's an uncomfortable feeling. But even that said, I I. I don't want to call it confident because, you know, the difference in form of the teams couldn't be more clear, right? Um, but it was it was one of those things was Spurs-Chelsea kind of goes out the window. You you think we can get a result against them any any given time, no matter the, the, uh, the form of either team. And obviously this is not the game that anyone saw playing out the way it did, but I didn't think, I didn't think it was impossible by any stretch that we'd actually go there and get, get a result just because we tend to show up in this fixture. I hear you. I hear you because I feel like... If there's ever a game that gets Chelsea up for it, it's Chelsea Spurs. That, that, mm-hmm. That's always a game that gets you really at it. And I, I was listening to Paul Merson on Soccer Saturday um, talking about the game. 
and the confidence in his voice. Yeah, <laughs> he knew. He knew. Bro, it was so different. Like, it, it, do you know what it was? Yeah, and I, I've talked about this quite a few times. Where because of the rubbishness that we've kind of, we've kind of gone through the last eighteen months, you sometimes forget that we're Chelsea. Do you know what I mean? And I, and I said this is a, a real danger of um, the ownership, the change of ownership, and the managers that we're we're employing. And I said it's very, it's, it doesn't take long or much for that spirit and that essence of just all that fuck it where Chelsea, that emotion to go, you get me? And I feel at times this season, I, just, I felt that kind of feeling go because I was so disappointed at times. But the way in which he spoke, because the history of the event, like, of the match, you know, I'm just like, yeah, I, fuck it. Let's get into these, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Shems, how are you feeling about the game? Because obviously there are a lot of talk about Chelsea's, you know, failings, you know, disappointing loss against Brentford at the bridge. Um, yeah, how, how are you feeling coming into the game, man? To be honest with you, I was quietly confident. Um, it's difficult to be open about these things, just given the way our fortunes have been so far this season. But I was quietly confident um, that, we'd, that we'd go there and win. I think part of it is psychological because for a number of years now, we've, we've continually got the better of Spurs. Um, when you look at the history of the fixture, um, some of their best teams, some of our worst teams, and vice versa. Um, and I just think, and I think also as well, I think Spurs have Spurs have been really, really good this season. But I felt um, there were a few games, probably just before us, where they did ride their luck just a little bit. Um, and and you know, I felt um, I felt their loss or them dropping points was on the horizon. And personally, I felt like it was a perfect time to play them. Um, I think maybe if we played that fixture three four weeks a bit earlier maybe we get beat but I think this was probably the perfect time to play them because I felt like it was starting to kind of um they'll start to show a little bit of of cracks nothing nothing too major to worry about but I just felt like um they were they were about to drop points again um very soon and 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 I was confident that we could go there with um the fact that a lot of our team is is getting fit now so we're going to have pretty much a full strength 11 I was confident we could go there get a win and also, um, the way Poch has dealt with the big game, so Liverpool, Arsenal, um, is it just those? Yeah, Liverpool and Arsenal gave me confidence that he could um, tactically get it right. Interesting. Interesting. I mean, yeah, I, I could fully resonate because, yeah, prior to yeah prior to listening to Paul Merson, I was like, oh, fuck. Like, if we act, because you know what it was? It was more... The, the overarching feeling of if we lose, our season's literally finitoed because obviously there's so much more games to play for. But I think in terms of confidence and even Pochettino as well, I think psychologically for him, I think it'd be difficult for him to recover. You know, Spurs beat us, they go back top of the table and we're languishing in what, 13? I think there's a lot of psychological damage, not just on the players, but on the manager and the fans um, it just could have been really, really bad. And just think about the relationship between the fans and Poch is kind of, not going to say it's um, frosty, but it's we know what you are type thing. Like, we know what you are. We know who you were anyway. So you have to kind of move us, really. And there's, um, I could just imagine if we lost, it would have been very, very frosty. The relationship would have been a little bit, you know what I mean? I think we've we've kind of stuck with him. If you if you listen to, you know, fans that are going to the bridge at that stadium, 
Uh, the boos aren't really there yet. You know, that there, there, there's frustration, there's groans, but the boos aren't there yet. So it's not like it's on top of him yet. The pressure's slightly started to mount, but yeah, there's no real um, viciousness towards him yet. And I think a loss against Spurs might have ramped that up a couple of notches, if you know what I mean. And I we need, think, yeah, we needed that way more than they did. We for, desperately, for sure. bro, we can't, I can't stress how desperately we did that win. Um, Especially after the Arsenal now, match. Oh. oh my God, yeah. Especially if we can, like, the, the manner in which we played against Arsenal, the manner in which we, we dropped points as well, it's just, it, just the lack of belief I think it would have given us would have been, yeah, cataclysmic in my opinion, to be honest. And I agree to what Shams was saying about uh, coming into the game. Not, I mean, look, the table the table kind of tells all this story, right? Tottenham been a lot better than us so far. But I'm not going to criticize the way they're playing, new manager. Like, this is a great season for them with the expectations. But kind of what Shams was saying, you kind of look at their results. They are good, but they, they didn't take, you know, they drew Arsenal. They didn't win. They beat United, who have been crap. Uh, they did beat Liverpool. That's maybe the biggest scalp they're taking. But that game, I mean... Remember how that game? It was a two red cards own goal in the ninety sixth yeah, minute. Struggled to win it. Yeah, they struggled like, hard. You know, so it's not like they've been rolling teams over, even the big sides. Um, so yeah, I mean, it was. It, I just looking at it and knowing the history of a fixture, I thought, I thought we could get a result. I obviously we'll get into the match, but um, yeah, I mean, uh, I think it was one of those things that non Chelsea fans would be like. I mean, look at the two teams' form. Like, there's they're going to get crushed. Exactly. Tottenham are flying, exactly. flying high. And Chelsea fans know though that those fixtures are just are just a little different. It doesn't matter. The, the form, it, to be honest, Chelsea's Tottenham. The form goes out the window yep. because we always seem to find a gear that <laughs> is only like unlocked for Tottenham games. It's crazy, and I think. But let's talk about the game. Um, it's and maybe one more, one more thing to add before we, before we get to that. Yeah, maybe that's the importance of having the academy players in the side, no matter the changes oh, of of the ownership and the the all the new like other players we brought in from elsewhere. But you know, Colwell, oh, James, fact. Gallagher, they are re- they are ready to play Spurs. Absolute facts. You can't you can't understate the importance because they were every one of them were up for it. I think Colwell, for example, his head was gone. He was yeah. rattled. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Too he, up was, hey. like, he was a bit he too was, up for it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he was too up for it. You know what I mean? His passing was off because he's like, fuck it, let's get into these. Like I, it was so funny watching him because you could see how just aggressive he was in that game. And Colwell is a composed, yeah. silky defender. And you're just seeing him get absolutely fuming with everything and everyone. So it was just a game also, full of emotion. Um, yeah. But yeah, man. Also, so, I just yeah, want to I, point I, out again, sorry, on. sorry, Meeks, just quickly before we get to the Jesus. game, that this isn't, this isn't the first time that, you know, we've played Spurs with our backs against the wall kind of thing. So I remember under Lampard, when we went there, we went to um, their new stadium and we'd come off the back of, I think, like two defeats in a row at home to smaller teams. Mm. And it was like a proper pressure game we went there one two nil. Um, obviously, you got the battle of the bridge fifteen sixteen where we were having a poor season. You know, fought back through two two. Um, so there's, there's 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 a few examples where like we've played them and we've not been out of, like in the best run of form, but somehow we've rose it. So again, I I it just it just backs up what we were saying. Like when it's Chelsea Spurs, form goes out the window. Psychologically, we always go up for it, and yeah. Yeah, well, I guess we can kind of now get into the game, but um, because there's a lot to talk about, and um, I, I, yeah, let's just start 
how it started because Jesus, it, it went off straight away. It was um, all action from the very first kick. Um, Spurs started mm. really, really yeah. well. I think they um, they got to the grips of, of the occasion a lot better than we did and they were just playing their game. Um, I felt tactically we didn't look quite as balanced as we normally do in the field. I think Connor was pressing up pretty high and playing almost mm-hmm. like a 4-4-2, really, um, with, with Jackson. And that just left massive, massive spaces in the midfield. And James Madison was pulling out to the left-hand side. And, um, yeah, I think we just looked very, very open in, in most most, yeah. of the, most of that first 15, 20 minutes. Um, obviously, I felt the goal was coming. Um, I think Sam, I don't know if it was Sam, actually. I think a couple of people saying, well, I'm not quite sure. You know, the game needs to settle down a bit. But I, I felt just the... the the, the pace of the game and the theme of the game, I just felt, oh, they're getting in. Like it does, maybe they weren't exactly opening us up, but I just felt, oh, they're gonna get in. You could you could see it just in terms of the shape of the team, the structure of the team. It just looked all off balance essentially. And uh, credit to Tottenham um, for that, to be honest, because yeah, I think the first 10-15, we we just couldn't really live with their movement, couldn't live with the midfield at all. Um, and yeah, the spaces that will begin to open up, you could almost feel that they're going to penetrate. And after six minutes, um, Kulisevsky get oh, it's good actually, big, good bit of football actually, to be honest, from Spurs. Um, this is where they really carved us open again. Madison drifted out to the left, Captain Side found a nice pass into, um, I think it was, was it Kulisevsky, yeah, it went straight oh, to Kulisevsky. Yeah, he ended up scoring, yeah, no, it was the Sar, yeah, Sar, and, yeah, Sar, and the Sar moved it on, yeah, Sar moved it on. And then, yeah, Kudasevsky, I think Colwell for me in that instance was just really poor. Um, Colwell usually doesn't back off that much. He usually, he's quite good to engage. I, but that that good I, I don't know if so that's a you know, factor of the, the that's a center back at left back thing where he kind of was a little bit mm. lost on how to defend that space. And he was very isolated, right? Like, so he kind of mm. had to make, but yeah, I don't think sure. there was, I don't think there was an immediate passing threat to his right, that he needed to be cheating towards the box so much for. I don't know why he didn't step at least a little closer to the ball carrier. Do, do, do you know where it is, though? Um, I, I watched the goal again. Um, and I, look, I don't think Cole played well in it. So, And I'm I'm not like a Cole stand like a lot of Chelsea fans. So I'm just being objective here. But I do feel like everything happened very quickly. So he did it. Like Kulisevsky took that shot really quickly. Um, yeah. And also, like the speed at which Kudusevsky was running at, it was very, it was very, everything was just happening so fast, essentially. And I don't feel like he had you know, the chance to actually step up. And if he stepped up, I think he would have got beat, personally. I was it looks worse, looks worse right? Like you step up and you win. Yeah, it just looks maybe. worse. Yeah. I, I personally think if he steps up to approach Kudusevsky, I think Kudusevsky knocks it past him and goes down the right-hand side. So yeah. I just think, I think the disappointing part is him turning his back. I think if he doesn't, John Terry was the best at this, right? John Terry, whenever, if, if I, I implore like people to just like watch like John Terry's blocks, John Terry would hardly turn his back in it because when he you turn your back, back, when you turn your back, you, you make, you, you make, you make the target appear, right? So, but when you stand strong and stand up um, face front, you appear bigger, right? So the fact that um, Cole turns his back, that's what, um, basically allow a shot to go in because um, exactly so if he stands exactly. up straight so that, he it. so that was what was really poor for me is the lack of engagement is one thing um and i think uh, you could be a little bit harsh but i for me i like my defenders trying to get out and close the space um i don't i'm not even expecting him to rush out but close the space a little bit Cro- close the gap and one thing about Colwood generally he doesn't ever really go to ground unnecessarily 
Um, so he usually controls the space pretty well in terms of, you know, creating separation or blocking off separation um, for a shot. So him backing off that much and then turning his back was really poor for me. Um, it just was poor defending, generally. And there was, it was a poor defensive action. And I understand, yeah, it was quick. And everything was happening quite quickly. But I also think, you know, uh, maybe a less rattled or a less um, fired up Colwell handles that situation better. I think the occasion probably in that situation didn't really help him make a, a good decision in terms of how to handle that that um, transition, in my opinion. Um, because yeah. it's not like Thiago, Thiago Silva was there, the Sassi was there. It weren't like the defence were completely out of kilter. The midfield were. The midfield were beaten. beaten but he, you know, Kulisevsky didn't necessarily... It weren't... There's instances where you can understand where it's time to retreat. He played, he played it as if it was like a two-on-one. Like there was Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Like there, there's instances where you could be like, okay, you know what? Retreating it makes sense. You know what I mean? But th- in that instance, it wasn't there for me. So I felt it was just too... It was very passive. And um, yeah, mm-hmm. then the turn of the back, it's just, it, it weren't good enough in my opinion. But I'm not, I don't want to be too harsh on Colwell. Um, but I think for that goal, it weren't good enough. But I can't put the entire goal on him simply because I think structurally we're all over the place and there's no way that one yeah. pass cut us open that badly. It, it just shouldn't, especially from the left-hand yeah. side, from the left to right into the centre of the pitch. I thought that was yeah, so I was criminal. That. I want to speak criminal. to that because what I noticed uh, tactically, is funny because I said, uh, um, you know, Poch big games tactically has done really well, and he has. But I think um, what I noticed in that first, like, five, ten minutes, I said, like, and Postcogli clearly did his homework because he's seen... Um, so, for, for example, the Arsenal game, when, when Gallagher plays, or most games that we play in season, um, Gallagher is always pressing with the striker. So it's like a front two. So it was very wet. So, what Postcoggi did, yeah, he put a doggy like inverting. So, inverting um, in doggy, if you watch like the first like 10 minutes or so, a doggy was always the spare man in midfield. Yeah. So, Caicedo and Enzo, they didn't know whether to go with a doggy. So, whoever, so I think it was Caicedo on the right side of uh, of the midfield right centre mid. He didn't know whether to go with um, a doggy or to go with the um, whoever was on the outside. So that that overloaded midfield really, really destroyed us, especially in that first 10, 15 minutes. So that's why we were looking so open. And I was saying to myself, look, Pochi, after they scored, you have to adapt now. You have to drop Gallagher back and just sit in as a free so that Gallagher can cover, so that every, each midfielder can cover space in that middle of the park. Because yeah. it was there was way too much space for Caicedo and Enzo to cover, way too much because they had the extra man in the middle. Do you know what I'm saying? So we were just getting pulled apart. So when you've got the extra man in the middle, it's very easy. Yeah, for one switch of play, you're done. You're literally done. You're eliminated, and that's what happened for the goal. So I thought what what Pot should have done was drop Gallagher back and just have a free, just for like maybe just for ten minutes, just to settle down in the game, and then we'll see what happens. But then obviously events started to unfold and things started to go our way and then we naturally um gained control of the game again. So but on that yeah. first goal I felt like that was a that was Postacoglu's tactics kind of working for Tottenham in that sense. Like with that yeah. spare man. I I agree. And I felt I feel like that that this is what I'm saying. So when we were talking about the goal, it was obviously about the first couple of minutes. So I'm just like I'm already seeing the issue. And I'm saying in the chat, oh, what, this, this midfield, we're, we're, we're a mess. And obviously, you kind of like want to let the game settle down because eventually, you know, you kind of find your feet. But I think 
the way in which Spurs are operating, the speed in which they're operating, the danger that they're already causing, to me, I thought, Potts, you have to adjust already. I was already thinking, now, nah, Potts, you have to adjust. Um, then the goal came, I'm like, oh, God. And then Son's offside goal came, I'm like, oh, my God, no, no, no. Barely offside, too. It was be- exactly yeah. barely offside. And then, because that VAR check took a while, right, that is when Potts brought Gallagher to the side and they started talking. And I'm like, thank God. Because the, from the moment that offside goal was disallowed, we absolutely took control. We, we took control of the game. Conor Gallagher was a massive part of that. Um, fa- fantastic performance again from him. Um, but yeah, tactically, I think that adjustment, and we've not we've been talking about Poch's inability to adjust in games. Um, that impressed me, to be honest. It impressed me. Not because, you know, it's anything super amazing tactically, but the fact he actually did it and it had a positive influence on the game made me happy because it's something that I've had personally, I've had question marks over Poch doing that, to be honest. So, yeah, it was, it was very, very interesting. I think, obviously, after they yeah scored, I believe we had like seven shots versus their one in the next like 10 minutes or so. We were on to them. Um I, I want to talk about Caicedo, lads, because, boy, it when he started to stamp his authority on the game, right. boy, that midfield area was, was it was shut down. Like he's like, no, no, yeah. no, 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 my ball, my ball, every single mm. like fifty fifty, my ball. He was insane. Um, I just think collectively we kind of grew together, and we thought, you know what, no, 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 let's get into these guys and. The physical side, we, we started to take over. So Conor Gallagher, uh, even Enzo, to be honest, I think to a degree with his tackling and getting into to players, I think he he, he was done, he done okay. I, I, we'll talk about Enzo a little bit later on, but Gallagher and um, Caicedo for certain were really, really good. Um, but Cole Palmer, before we talk about Caicedo, I want to talk about Cole Palmer. So in the first blitz, that first five, ten minutes of just Tottenham absolute anarchy, the one player on the pitch mm-hmm. for Chelsea that showed a degree of composure, yep. patience, and wearable. The 21-year-old Cole Jermaine Palmer. Bro, uh, what a signing, first and first. Like, yeah, it's, it's it's crazy. Like I'm 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 blown away by the maturity of the kid because it's crazy. Especially for someone that actually hasn't played that much football, for him to, to look so accustomed and so used to this um especially in a big game like that like you said when all the chaos was going on in that first half in that first 10 15 minutes the only one that actually had his head screwed on and i feel like he was kind of the catalyst for that like for everyone to just calm down and be like you know guys it's cool do you know what i'm saying like because that because things like that it 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 rubs off it rubs off on fellow teammates you you see what i'm saying um so yeah massive credit to him like and again it's the maturity of the kid that's really impressive he like there was times where obviously Saw physically, I think in the first especially five minutes, Saw was getting on to him um, physically, um, a doggy as well physically. Um, but there was a period where you just like, you know what? No, all right. I've seen, I've seen what you're on now. You're, you're trying to get into me close. You just do a little a side step, a swivel, bang. He's away. It's like the compose, and then he will try and burst off, run off, and then he's like, actually, no one's there. F it. Let me retreat. Let me retreat. Um, so the composure, the the, the 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 just intelligence, and 
when we talk about tempo setters, right? Sometimes we always look at midfielders, um, as centre midfielders, as you know. But I think Cole Palmer, just even just in the early phases of his Chelsea career, I can already see that Cole Palmer has the capacity to really set tempo, whether it's in attacks uh, or overall flow of our team. And when I say that Cole Palmer literally is, this is his team. I, I can't stress enough how true that is because the moment he put his foot on the ball against Spurs. Everything seemed to settle down. You know, every like actually, let me like, let me lie. He was calm. Everyone else was so rattled. But then, when obviously um, Poch pulled over Gallagher after the offside goal from Son, everything started to click into gear, and everyone's like looking to Palmer. When Palmer gets the ball, he spins. He's like, "All right, cool, we're in." Like, oh, mate, it was it when was it, actually really would, good. Whenever it, it would drop, was whenever it would drop into midfield and. There's a sense of relief when it would like land at his feet. I bet. All right, you know he's going to do something. Either it, it doesn't have to be flashy. Even it's just he's going to do something smart with the ball. Maybe it's just recycling it and not forcing something, or maybe uh, the game kind of slows down around him. But it, I got the that, sense when when it fell to him, I was like, all right, good. Like we're in <laughs> we're in safe hands. It's just it's as you so said, it's, it's crazy for a kid with his age and just overall minutes of play, like to be that to be that clearly mm-hmm. composed. Well, I, I just want to give you a stat. I want to give you a stat. So, his decision making. Cole Palmer, so Cole, Cole Palmer has played for Chelsea. He's played more minutes for Chelsea than he has for Man City in the last three years that he's broken into their first team. So, in, in the Premier League, that, and this is what I'm saying the lack of football, the maturity in which this kid is operating it, it is not normal. It's not normal. And he made the doggy, who for me is one of the best left backs in the league. He, he he didn't look out of place. In fact, I thought he got the better of a doggy. Him and Reese James, their combination play at times in the first half was fantastic. Um, but yeah, go on, Shams. I, I, it just it's just wild for me, to be honest. No, yeah, I was just I was just um, going off what Buzzy said. I said like that's the the biggest compliment is his smart. His, he when he has the ball, his his decision making is always of a high level in terms of he knows. When to when to run with it, when to give it, um, you know, when to slow the game down, when to quicken it up, it's it's really impressive. I think his usage of the ball is clearly a very very intelligent player, and I think for me, that's those are the players that I really take to. I take to players who just make good decisions. It's it's such yeah. an underrated thing. Do you know what I'm saying? Um, especially I mean, in a game with high intensity <laughs> and high stakes. Do you get? I, I was gonna say. I mean, look, we've got quite a lot of players that aren't. Um, that methodical with their decision making. Um, but before we move on, I want to introduce Jay. Jay's joined the pod. He couldn't he couldn't resist to to get involved and talk about the shelling that we dished out to, to Spurs. So welcome Jay, what are you saying, bro? What's going on, bro? I'm all good, man. All good. <laughs> I rushed back nice from Ikea. Bro. Yeah, we love to hear it. <laughs> nice you man. Can hear it. You can see you can hear it, innit? You can hear the <laughs> Was this Angie? Oi! I was so glad. I was so glad. He tried to bring out the long coat, all sorts. He thought it was a he thought it was doomsday for man. Nah. <laughs> nah. Bro. And you but, know what? Listen, but Jay, I'm, I'm, I'm not gonna lie, yeah. Listen, I'll give it to him, yeah. First 10, my head was on a different planet, bro. Cause the way they were spinning us. It was not nice. 
It was not nice. <laughs> it was not nice, bro. It was peak. Oh, bro. bro I was so kettled. The, the goal went in in five minutes, yeah, and I said, nah. I said, nah, this this is not how my night's... This is not how my night's going. This is not how it's... This is not how it's going. What? 3-0, three, 4-0 three, nil, nil drumming from Spurs? Nah. Yeah, bro, bro, I literally... I looked at the ceiling and I said, God, like, what did I do to deserve this? Yeah. <laughs> Another... Every time, every time what you have, go... I, what have I done to deserve this 2023? <laughs> like another, another day said. of this, huh? That's how it's going to be. I just... Oh, my God. Bro, do you know what it was? What... Like... Look, I, obviously, when we're watching a game, I commentate on a Chesi account. Yeah. When I saw the Son goal, my head was go- gone. I was done. Yeah, I was like, what? Get what? What? That's game done, yeah? Right. Yeah. Yeah. In, in my heart, you know in your heart, you feel like real disappointment <laughs> and pain. Like, that was what I felt when that Son goal was in. And the worst thing about that one the Kudusevsky one was a bit jammy. Obviously, they did good play to open us up. And for me, I thought it was horrible defending. Yeah, but the Son goal was good football. We got yeah. blamed. I mean, that, that's what got me. I thought I thought we were worse. Hot. I thought we were worse after the first goal. Yeah. By a large margin, like, actually. Do you know, we do were you know what, before the first goal? Do you know what that song goal reminded me of? It reminded me of um Arsenal v Man United. I think it was 2015, yeah, where they just got absolutely blown away. <laughs> it was like it was like uh, who who scored the first goal? I think it was. And then like literally, no, Ozil. And then oh. five minutes later, Sanchez. I said, oh. "Yo, I said that's that's what that's what that's what it reminded me of yesterday when Son scored." I was like, "Is it going to be one of those?" Nah. Do you know what? Yeah, when I was watching the match, no way. Do, do, do you know what? Yeah, when I was watching the match as well, yeah, like after the ten minutes, I thought to myself, you know what? The only thing that kind of had me feeling all right about how the game could end up going here after obviously the second one got ruled out was that I seen Chelsea start off slow before. Do you get what I'm saying? Because mm. even in the Liverpool game um, beginning of the season, we started off kind of slow. And I remember like the, the attackers for Liverpool, they were moving kind of mad. Like they were they were they were making bare runs. It was like it was intense. Salah was doing a madness on the right. Like it was the first 10, 15 minutes were, were a bit Yes, technical. actually. Yes, 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 remember? yes, yes, and then yes, yes. They, got, like, they, yeah. they started to gain a little bit of control. I think, um, what was it? After we got the equaliser, then that was the turning point for us. And then all of a yes. sudden, like we started like trying to stick it on them a little bit. I think in the second half, obviously James started getting going and everything. And obviously the rest uh, not of to mention like, too, I think the uh, I think the Jackson chance, I mean it was a really he did well there. It was a really nice save. But that was yeah. right before Sun oh, yes, yeah. it was rolled off. Exactly. Like, yeah. oh, that was got, that okay, so that seemed like me... it was really gonna sum up what we've seen you know, a, over and over. That was like, oh my God, we didn't take our chance. That would have flipped the game on its head and Sun comes right back down the other end. So, so like, let a, me a fucking course that happened. <laughs> Let me explain the progression. Let me explain the progression of my kettledness, yeah? So, cool. <laughs> that, that first goal went in. I'm like, fuck, like, we can't be this open. This is nasty, yeah? And I'm thinking, nah, Conor Gallagher, this, he can't be, like, messing my vibe this game because Conor's been cold this whole season. So, no, yeah, because Conor's getting the run around. I'm saying Cole Palmer, he's not really having much joy against the doggy at this point. Yeah, I'm seeing Raheem not just doing a madness. I'm then, and and then cool that that goal goes in. Boom! I'm pissed. That Jackson chance because that was fantastic play. Yeah, it was great. I think it was Caicedo that might have slipped him in. I think or Enzo. Um, and he he does everything right to be honest. He he sits the defender down. 
slots it bottom corner. You could argue he can you should roof that. You should argue. You could argue. But I thought he went for the right finish. But Vicario, oh my god, that save pissed me off because I'm like, nah, 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 nah. He did everything right at that in that instance. Yeah. And yeah. that save was that save was actually fantastic. Like that's a save that you think, oh right, Allison. Like you know what I mean? That's a top top save. And two minutes later, boom, go that's down the other end with great play, with like, like top football, and we get smashed. And I look at the sassy there. I look at Silver there. I'm like, what can you man do? You can't do anything in that. That was such a good ball. It's like the Salah ball to Diaz. Like you can't do much in that situation. That, yeah. that pass, that cross was so good. The movement was so good. It was so swift. You're like, rah. My head that, was. On. That, that's 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 yeah. the only thing I say about this team right now is that as young as they are, I feel like in certain moments of some of these big games, they have managed to kind of pull it together and actually yeah. get themselves back into the game. And that's actually a good sign in terms of like how young they are. Do you get what I'm saying? You're like right. we all know, we all know there's like a lack of leaders on the pitch. We all know that the the average age of the team in general and the squad is like really really low at the moment. It's like yeah. really and truly a lot of them moments it should be quite hard to come back from. But in the you know the hostility of the, the stadium, like obviously the fans, the Spurs fans were proper up for it. And I just felt like after that, I think after that two footed challenge from from Adobe, I think like I oh, just felt I think that was the, I think that was the turning point of the game. That was another you catalyst. Was, no, no, there, no, were, no, there were small bits, there were small was, incremental you know, was, bits yeah. that added to the energy. Do you know what it was, yeah? When do you, this this clown Romero, yeah? He tried, he tried to come and chat to my Bob. OG. He tried to come and chat to my OG, yeah. Tried to give him a proper barge, you know? Because yep. I know oh, it was an Argentina Brazil. I know it was an Argentina Brazil thing as well. I know it because he tried to get onto Silva and Silva laid him out on the floor, cause and then that's when he kicked and that's when he kicked Levi. Yeah. And then after that, after that, we were done. That was yeah. The physical battle. Listen. They tried a thing and they lost. They this, lost. this South American thuggery that I'm seeing, yeah, it's really, <laughs> it's really clearly Romero. Romero was clearly watching Saturday Night Football. Clearly, Whoa. he said he saw Bruno what Bruno G was on, yeah, and he saw him get away with it. He said, "Yeah, I'm bringing that to. I'm bringing that I'm to bringing that. Yeah. Do you know how crazy yeah, yeah. it is? They could have had two, could have and should have had two Bro. red cards before they got two red cards. <laughs> you know, that's, that's, insane. Insane. that's insane. You know what the craziest thing is about football, yeah." Players, when they get away with that sort of stuff, they go on to score, they go on yep. to ruin my day. But I've <laughs> never seen in my life yeah, players that deserve to get sent off. And he thought, let me try again. Sent off again. I've never seen it. I've never seen it. That, that's yeah. the, that, that, I'm going to need like, eight game bans. I'm going to need two eight game bans. Just, just think about the amount of times, yeah, where we've been shanked. I can think of Maguire um, oh, supposed man. to get a sent off against Bashuai and then scoring the yeah. winner. Like, look, think about the amount of time that shit's happened. And my head was like on. I was like, nah, he's going to score against and, us. I'm going to lose everything. And the thing is, yeah, they tried this in 2016 at the bridge. They tried it. Because... Remember when they, they were kicking us all game? Fabregas, Pedro, Willian. They were kicking us all game. They thought, yeah, that, because they're on the brink of that title race, you know, they've never been there before, you know, kind of cute. Yeah. That. So they were getting nervous. <laughs> so they thought, yes, they, they tried to kick off off the pitch. And it Bro, they tried to small boy us. They actually tried to small boy us. They they yeah, tried to small boy us. This is the second time they tried to small boy us. Second time, bro. Money, bro. Even even last season <laughs> for the two call, they were pull, pulling oh, pulling my hair. Nah, these lot. I'm telling you, these lot are thugs. I'm telling you, <laughs> I'm, these lot are thugs. We should. The, the way the media are doing sympathy for them is really really making me sick. But, but you know what? To add, to add to to add to what means we're saying though, because I don't want to obviously repeat too much. But I'm sure you know I've gone through it. But it's like, um, 
to, to add to what he was saying about um, Cole Palmer, like we can speak on players that we already know about, like players like Reese James and all that, and we know what their quality is. Do like I think he come in and done really well again. Like obviously coming back from injury, but but players like Cole Palmer, yeah, I'd, I'm so happy that he has hit the ground running. Even like just for him personally, do you get what I'm saying? Because he must have been sitting at City this season. Obviously, he's gone to the Charity Shield. He's done what he's done in. He's done what he's done in that in, in that game. I think he scored. Did he score the winner in that game? Yeah, he scored their only goal, then they lost. Exactly. And then, yeah. and then he scored in the Super Cup too. The yeah, Super Cup. and then he's done that. And and I know he must have been looking at it thinking, all right, cool, they've sold these guys. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, is is it going to kind of be my chance where I get to show my quality? Because obviously he's, he's, that, he's in the first team for a reason. You see what he's done in those first couple of games and you're like, all right, cool, he might get his chance. And I think it says a lot about him, you know, to kind of ch- take... The, the opportunity that Chelsea have given him, considering how many players we've bought, do you get what I'm saying? It's not necessarily a thing where he's looked at it and thought, I'm going to come in here, I'm going to start every game. Do you get what I'm saying? And he's But he's come here and the way he's hit the ground running is absolutely insane to me. I, I just think, like, I know he's not super young, he's not no 17-year-old or anything like that, but he's still young enough for it to be impressive. Do you get what I'm saying? And I just think with all the, t- like, not the turmoil, but with, with a lot of the kind of negativity around Chelsea at the moment in the final third and a lot of the stuff to do with, you know, like the manager being new and the squad and all the players being new, he just makes it look like none of those things matter. Yeah. And I, and yeah. I really need, and I really do need more of that right now. Like the fans generally need more of that right now because, and that's not um, criticising any players. It's just saying that, you know, it is refreshing to, to kind of see a player like that come in and you're not having to really make excuses for him. Do you know what I mean? No, yeah. And we said we said before you join, like the same thing. He gets the ball and you're like, all right, cool. Something calm is gonna happen. Sweet. Yeah. You just have confidence he's gonna be mature. It's just insane. And and, and and Meads Meads made a good point on the account as well about like how 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 he speaks, how he carries himself. You really do get this different vibe from from Palmer that he is he's on a mission. Do you get what I'm saying? And and he got a, he's got a little put a little bit of a point to prove not not to pepper anybody else but just just I think to a lot of people who probably thought you know he was going to be in the shadow of maybe a Foden who's who's obviously also come from the academy and is the, the he is obviously the guy that City have pinned their hopes on to come from the academy and be the top player but Palmer probably feels like he's that guy as well and I'm like that's what I'm saying I'm I'm just glad he's showing it at Chelsea because it's not easy do you know what I mean and he's oh. making it look easy. He's making it look yeah. easy. That's the matter. To be honest, he's a good he's a good foil to Sterling, not just because he's the young and inexperienced guy uh, playing opposite wing of the you know household name, but the styles like we know what Sterling could be good at, right? Like when he's when he's in full flight, he's so hard to stop. If he makes the right decisions, which is a 50-50, you know, <laughs> frust- frustratingly, is a 50-50 yeah. thing. Um, that's like a good foil to have to Palmer. He's going to slow it down a little bit and like hit a long ball or pass it back. Yeah. Or like, so you have one guy who's go, go, go. And then he can get hit by Palmer's, by Palmer's passes on his runs. But it was like night and day seeing like, you need, you need someone like Sterling doing those things, but it was frustrating. Like how do often you, do you he doesn't make the right you? decision or tries to take on a few players instead of just keeping the ball or, you know, doing what Palmer's doing on the other side. So do you remember last season or even, even under Tuchel, for example, where I used to just say, look, you, it's it's not even impossible, but I understand sometimes there's a desire of you know all action football, but I can't do personally. I don't enjoy watching players that are all brute force and no panache in their play. 
And I think in order for a team to really function, I don't think you can have every attacker that is just brute force because it's always going to be disorientated. It's always going to be, there's going to be disconnect because there's going to be players that are really, with, with that brute force football, you're not really thinking about your teammates all the time. You're just thinking about, okay, how am I going to get this into an area? How am I going to get this into an area to shoot? You're not thinking about, right, how am I going to slip others in where I know that they're going to be able to get under, get under control and slot? Or how am I going to, you know, a little bit of guile in their play. So Cole Palmer, like you said, um, Buzzy, it, it adds that balance in the attack. Because I couldn't imagine, and I, I'd hate to, so I'd hate to actually have two literally gunslingers uh, as as wing wingers all the time. You, it just doesn't. I think me. my I think my head would melt watching Sterling. On it's just horrible. It'd be horrible. <laughs> It'd be horrible. Um, you need to little have a little bit of cuteness in your play, and I think Cole Palmer brings that in bucket loads, absolute yeah. bucket loads, man. Um, but let's we digress a lot. Yeah, I, I want to. Yeah, I was going to say I want to. Yeah. I want to speak on the, like the elephants in the room, There's which so is. Much to cover. Yeah, so we much talked. To cover. We touched on the red cards, but those were like the moments of the game, and I think we need to like. Get yeah, on to get on let's, to how that impacted. Uh, let, let, so, so with obviously Romero's absolute stupidity, like the first kick out that he tried to do, the David Beckham kick out against Cole was a, a, a joke, and he should have gone for that. But they said that's apparently petulance rather than violence. All right, huh? say less. If Chelsea player does that next week, we know what time it is. We know it's a red card, but cool. He gets sent off, and um, I think at this point we're on top anyway. Personally, anyway, I think we were on top. They were get they were struggling um, to cope with the midfield. The midfield pressing from Caicedo and Gallagher, absolutely sensational, absolutely sensational. And that is where you really started to see Chelsea trying to turn the screw. It was it was incredible. Um, yeah, this is the main thing I want to I want to talk on. This is the yeah. main the main thing I want to bring to this to this conversation is how the it's the narrative, it's the red cards, and it's the idea that Chelsea like got out of it easy because Tottenham happened to get red cards as if it was something that happened to them by a you know outside party and not not their players being stupid and us forcing them into it, which Pochettino was very sure to say right after the match. He said, "Yeah, yeah they got reds because we unsettled them when we forced them into errors." Go back and right. watch the play that leads to Romero actually getting sent off. And oh it's Gallagher God. pressing in their box, forcing their yeah. defender into a bad pass. He hits it way out into midfield to nobody. Caicedo runs past the Spurs player and takes it and immediately puts it back into the box. And then they were forced into a slide tackle and well, he took out. Buzzy, it's like, thank, oh, thank it wasn't just some so like much. brainless moment or like, you know, unlucky red card. Like we we unsettled them after after Romero's yeah. stupidity. Thank, thank you. This is what I came for. Come on. No, it's because people always were like, oh, we, we, we imploded. We made mistakes. I'm like, Pogues was like, oh, oh, we did stupid things. I'm like, well, why did you do stupid things? Like, Bro. why did your players do stupid things? Because Bro, we made them do stupid things. Like, we got you lot rattled. And it was so, like, you could see Romero was getting frustrated by the second. Because he didn't, oh, his clearance was horrible. His clearance out to Caicedo is literally the reason why they got in that mess. The reason why I got a red card. This, so this this is yeah this this is literally what I came for. I'm I'm sorry so to interrupt you because <laughs> same. no same same. I, I, I wanted to make sure I said that. I, you, I cannot believe yeah some of the discourses I've seen post game. Ah, oh, Spurs come out with their head held high in Chelsea. Ah, oh, 
um, Chelsea didn't deserve to win the game because they fluffed chances. Shout out to Fahi from Coppin. Ah, um, <laughs> Jackson's hat trick because uh, he didn't really score a hat trick. Some of the what are you not talking? Let, let's 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 dive into it, yeah, because I feel like we've just gone. I feel like as a football community, we've gone backwards with the way we analyze the game. And I feel like I honestly we feel like it, I honestly we feel like it. no, seriously, I honestly feel like fans are so committed to being right. And this whole change in the narrative, yeah, I implore Chelsea listeners, yeah, to challenge anybody that tries to change the narrative of this game because that's what people are doing. Chelsea were on top of the game way before Spurs had anyone sent off. Way long before that. Long before that. So um, just to tackle the discourse, so far he was saying that uh, we didn't deserve to win the game, even though we scored four goals, three goals from open play, right? So it's, I find it really cheeky from considering the fact that Coppin love to remind us how much the XG was after every single game, yeah? So I'm going to read a couple of stats from, from the game, right? So we had 17 shots. Speak on the king. Speak on Eight on target. XG. Guess what the XG was? 4.4. Guess how many goals we scored? Four. <laughs> 39 touches in the box and 61% position. So if we've matched our XG, which is quite high, by the way, um, had almost doubled their position, 70, almost 20 shots, I cannot understand how we didn't deserve to win the game. And it is simply a confirmation bias thing. It's nothing more than that. Because, I don't, look, listen, nobody told um, Ange to be criminal in his tactics and have nine men on the halfway line. We were getting it every single time. The fact that we fluffed our chances, to use that as a justification to say we didn't deserve the game, is really most one of the most ridiculous things I've heard in my life. Because you've because you've not said anything that pertains to Spurs. Like, if you if it was a thing whereby you said, oh, Spurs... When it was 11 v 11, Spurs were, were, were on top of you. Uh, they dominated you. They created a load, load of chances. And as soon as the game went down to like nine men, that's when Chelsea started to, to cook. If, if that was the case, fine. But the fact that we were cooking way before that year and fans are still committed to undermining the win, undermining the fact that we deserve to win and undermining what they actually saw, for me, it's ridiculous. And it's even the whole Jackson thing about our oh, worst hat-trick in history, it's like, fam, like, I grew up in the era where we... We we gave strikers their dues for finishing off what they had in front of them. Do you know what I'm saying? And like, I don't care whether I don't care whether the goals are spectacular. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, three goals is three goals at the end of the day. He did score a hat trick. So I just implore Chelsea listeners not to allow rival fans to change the narrative because that's what yeah. they're that's what they're doing. Yeah, Shems, you know what the maddest thing Shems, is? About the whole I just want to say well. round of applause, my brother. <laughs> yeah, yeah fact. Round of applause, my brother, because it's been a disgrace. Yeah, facts, nah, man. If, if any I, other manager, I think, any other... I think, also, sorry, just one more thing. I think yeah, yeah. because Spurs and Liverpool, like, particularly Spurs, they're not used to, like, winning. They're not really used to being the the top the top dogs, right? So it's really just a loser mentality. Yeah? Same thing with Liverpool. Liverpool are used to being babied by the media, right? So oh. it just feeds into their fan bases. Like, for anyone that wants to praise Spurs for that, I'm sorry. It's just a losing mentality. I'm really, really sorry. And it doesn't. It doesn't surprise. And Liverpool and Spurs fan bases are the two fan bases who are most notorious for this loser stuff. Honestly, they really are. Because and it's so funny because when you look at the um, what was it? The, the, um, people Spurs when Spurs played Liverpool, right? And Liverpool were down to nine men, right? And Klopp made it really difficult. What Ange should have done is exactly what Klopp did: make it really difficult sitting, right? And Spurs struggled. To, it took like it took a lucky on goal for them to win the game, right? People were literally moving as if the game on Monday was 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 that. 
literally. And I'm like, bro, did you not see how many times we penetrated them? Like, how many times we got into their box? How many times we... Anyway, I'm it's, done. It, bro, I'm it's done. so painful. <laughs> I, I fully, 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 fully hear you. It's so painful, yeah, where I'm hearing man say if only one could down to 10 men. Bro, Colwell, <laughs> if Colwell did not overhit three of those passes, because uh, those passes were on all day, all yep. day. Sterling yep. was in all the time. Didn't we score a goal, Jackson offside, from that pass from Colwell, um, uh, and then Raheem left foot cross, Jackson slot. The same goal we scored three times is the same goal that happened when we were up uh, when it was 11 versus 11. So I didn't... I, the, the narrative is 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 so washed to me. That's what because... that means, that's, means. That's what I'm saying because it's like they they immediately go to the song goal and they're like, oh, but if we just scored that, oh, but it was like if we just scored that and it was onside, blah blah blah. But then, like, it, bro, you can't go to that and and make try and make that a point and then ignore the rest of the stuff that we was doing when we was offside and like just offside and all these kind of things or even the Caicedo goal alone, like even that Whoa. game. Like I know I get it. It's the rules now and and all of that, but. You know, there's an element of it that is uh, slightly ridiculous. Do you know what I mean? In terms of like that that kind of stuff getting disallowed, and fair enough, like the decision's right. I'm not saying it's it's wrong, but you, if you're going to do those kind of things, you can go round in circles. Do you know what I mean? In the game, the facts is the facts are Chelsea were on top before the red card. Chelsea forced the red card. We got the we got a penalty, which was which was a hundred percent a penalty. Do you get what I'm saying? It was a hundred percent a penalty. And after that, really and truly, we were in control of the game. Exactly. You, you, like you, I think they wanted they, like the fans have tried to do this thing where those two chances that they got, where Dyer was offside, great finish by the way, but Dyer was offside, and then um, obviously Benton Kerr has a has an opportunity to level it. They're they're trying to go off those two chances as yes. if to say because they had those chances, or not even the Dyer one. Let's forget the Dyer one because it was offside, legit offside. But let's just stick with the Benton Kerr chance. Yeah, cool. They're trying to go off that, but. Again, how many flipping chances did we have to end the game, bro? And like, this is the thing, right? You raised a great point that I even forgot. You can the the two points are different. You could they can exist at the same time. You can say we didn't manage the game well, which is hundred percent true. Yeah, but you can also say we deserve to win the game. Do you know what I'm saying? We st- we still just because we didn't manage the game well, it doesn't take away from the fact that we created more than enough opportunities to win the game, you, and it doesn't take exactly. away from the fact that we were always going to score another goal because. Postacoglu's tactics were absolutely criminal. It doesn't exactly. take away. I, I fully hear you, and this is what this is what was really jarring me because it's almost like because we were so wasteful or so impatient, you're trying to dock us points, basically. Yeah, and yeah. Like, oh, <laughs> do you know what I'm saying? Like it's yeah, like, yeah, oh, yeah. what Chelsea were wasteful, so they didn't deserve to win. What are yeah, you talking yeah. about? Like we scored four <laughs> goals. We scored seven, really. Like if you think about, like with the disallowed goals that we got, we got. Pure goals. Like, what are you talking about? It don't make sense. And I just feel like you're trying to penalise us for being a little bit anxious with our final pass, a little bit anxious with straying offside. Like, that don't make sense. Perfectly put. Perfectly put. Because I think think there was nothing more to it than that. I feel like the attack, um, the attack and the team in general, they got a little bit rattled by what, what Spurs were actually doing. I don't think they expected that. And when they finally realised, oh, right, like, they're actually doing this, then they just started acting like a bunch of 10-year-olds rubbing the playground. You know, you know where you, you act like there's no offside, bro? Like, you're just, yeah. everyone's just running forward. That was literally what Chelsea were doing for about 10, 15 minutes. Mudrick was doing it. Um, Sterling was even going too soon sometimes. Jackson, 
you, you know how basic, yeah, the movement was for that whole thing? The the most basic movement, yeah, and I'm not no oh. professional coach, but to me, the most basic movement would have been for Mudrik to start from wide, come inside and just bend his run. That's all he mm. would have needed to do to break that offside trap every single time because nobody's marking him out wide. Do you get it? But what he was doing is he was just deciding to literally run right next to Poro and try and get in that way. But yeah. really and truly what you needed to do, which is what Gallagher did um, if, if, like for his run, Gallagher, like he didn't kind of stay on any kind of uh, defender or anything. He started from deep and when everybody else was making their run, he made his and he was clearly on side. Do you see what I'm saying? Mm. And and that's all you need to do, bro. But but what they were doing is they were just hanging on the shoulder. Like say they had to, they you didn't have to do that. Do you get what I'm saying? So it was just naivety from 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 the from our players. Like I said, yeah, like Klopp showed them how to do it. If that was any of them, if that's Klopp, if that's too cool, if that's like Pep, like literally the blueprint was there, what Klopp did at, at White Hot Lane when they went down to nine men. And they almost yeah. got a draw from it. It's like, it's very simple. And the thing is, we don't even, we can't play against low blocks. We can't. So if they had gone, gone into that low block shape, you know what I'm saying? It might have been very difficult for us. So, I, even yeah. when Gallagher I, got, I even remember when Gallagher got sent off against Leicester. And um, we, we had, we, we won that game, didn't we? 2-1 with 10 men when Raheem Sterling yeah. got the two goals. And it was like, even though one of the goals was fluky, like the, the structure in which we, we kind of set up, we set up in a way where it was basically like we've got a couple guys that we know can can be our outlets in Reese James and Sterling, and whenever we get the chance to, we'll probably just try and put it in the box. And you know, if if we get something from it, we get something from it, and we end up obviously we end up winning the game. Like um, Spurs had enough players to do that with as well. That is the funniest thing about it. You have yep. Son. You have um, you had before you got sent off um, to make it nine men. They had they still had a doggy on the pitch as well. Do you get what I'm saying? Like they had players that could actually break with pace. Poro, they they had so many players, which makes Angie's tactics even more embarrassing. That's even more embarrassing. He does not get any kind of ratings for that whatsoever, bro. Bro, I can't believe they're praising him. We have gone backwards, man. Honestly, <laughs> we have gone backwards. I, I just I can't it, believe it. It's obviously because Angie. Look, but don't get me, don't get twisted. I think he's done fantastically well, and I feel like he's. Falling into this place where remember when Jurgen Klopp used to be, you can't criticize him. Like, there was a point where you just couldn't criticize Jurgen Klopp, despite the fact they were playing kamikaze football, despite the fact there was all the attack, and then they they score five and concede four, like that that sort of shit. And I'm not saying that that's what's happening with Ange, but I feel like Ange is just he's gotten to the point where he's a media darling now, and there's just this whole oh, we can't criticize him. This is all brave rather than naive. And I think after a couple of months. As he gets becomes a little bit more um, established in the league, I think people start calling out this shit for, for what it is. But the difficulty is if he continues to do this in big games, if it happens in big games consistently and that high line is pre- pre- present um, consistently, then I think he'll get criticised. Otherwise, I think, nah, I don't think so. It's very, it's very jarring, but you can't take away from Chelsea's performance just because of Andrew's tactics. You can't. It's just stupid. It, it, it's actually asinine, if you know what I mean. So, yeah, it's just... Ugh, we, should very, scored, we should have scored one 20 minutes earlier than we did, and the narrative would have been completely different. Like, Jackson yeah. hits his header in, or, I don't know, someone oh. stays on side. Like, oh, that's all it took. Like, we scored one right. of those a little, a little sooner, and it wouldn't have been this whole, like, oh, my God, Spurs are doing so well. Chelsea are embarrassing. Like, the same right. play. The same play was on 
repeatedly from the second red card to the end of the game. We did the same thing the entire time. Like we could have scored it. We could have scored it five minutes after the red. We didn't happen to, but at the end of the day, we put four past them, which represents the pattern of play across since they had the red. So like, exactly. if it was any other, if it was any other combination of clubs or managers, they would have been like, why is the why is the Brentford manager playing with this high line nine men? Is he crazy? And it's like just because we didn't finish our dinner until later in the game, it's like all you know this genius tactic. It's like we can't we we've proven we can't score against a low block. Meanwhile, why didn't he just go sit his men back? We probably would have struggled a lot more. But exactly, it's just and, it's, and, it's, it's it's crazy. But and, yeah. and why, why why sorry why are we why are we microanalyzing Jackson's goals, please? Like why oh, are we doing bro, 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 like, bro. What, because he scored a couple tappings? What's, what's wrong with scoring tappings? I don't understand. Like, I proper, proper don't get it. We've, what, we microanalyze too much as a community. Honestly, it's, it's actually really bad. Like, there are bare strikers, yeah, in the league. Like, take Eketia, for example. He lives off those... Last season, a lot of Eketia's goals, right? Like, you know, in the, in the box, tappings, kind of just poaching. Like, there's absolutely nothing wrong with it at all. I feel like this is what I'm saying. This is what I go back to. People having a preconceived idea of a player or of a team and they're looking for anything to prove them right. And it's like, fab, like this is really, really perfect. I remember a hat-trick Dirk Kout scored against Man United in 2011, where like all of them were like in the six-yard box. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. I think if I'm going to play devil's advocate, I think, because I know some of our fans do think that way, and to a degree I was frustrated with Jackson in this game because of this. I think it's it's not the tappings themselves are an issue or easy goal, you know, pass across the, the types of goals he did score. I think it's there's nothing wrong with those in a vacuum, but seeing him not score when the when we weren't ahead in this game and like needing him to come up big both both the chance that Ricardo saved which was more probably more a good save than a bad shot especially after his good footwork um and the header that he somehow just didn't put in uh and then a couple of the offside runs um I think, I think it's just it frustration is. that it's like we needed yeah. you we needed you a lot and and in past games in the past weeks right so there's obviously some yeah effects. people are it's, coming it's, in an, this it's, way a, it's an amalgamation it's an amalgamation of what we've seen in the last couple of weeks, like we've, we've spoken about this on the pod many times, I've seen that balloon over the bar from Jackson every game. Do you know what I mean? I, uh, I've pretty much seen that chance, that balloon over the bar routinely. Yeah. And he did it from again. Liverpool, against, that's from Liverpool, from the Liverpool game. From Liverpool, from Liverpool today, <laughs> to, to, to today I've, I've, I've seen that chance be missed consistently. So I understand there's a, 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 a distrust with Jackson but you also need to look at and isolate things isolate things a little bit um, more smartly. Look at it like this. Was he wasteful? Uh, you, you could say so. I think less so, to, um, less so against Spurs than he has done in weeks. Um, but the two chances, should he have scored? I think the header, he got it past the keeper. It was cleared off the line. Should he have got more power onto it? I think so. But I think heading his heading is generally poor. Um and then, obviously, the chance of the Vicario chance, I thought that was an excellent save. So I feel like we can't overly criticise him. It, it, it's, I think it's ridiculous. I, to I, I, don't, I just would never understand criticising a striker who scored three goals. Yeah. I just, I, 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 look, and look, don't get, after the header, I was frustrated. I was very frustrated after he missed that header. But guess what? By minute 98, I forgot about it. Why? Yeah. Because he scored three goals. Yeah. You know that's just yeah. that, that look, that's how I roll in it. Maybe I see the game differently, but you know, I would you know rather I would rather him miss all those chances, end up with three, 
Yeah, that like, missed all those chances and end up with nothing. End up with none. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I think with Jackson as well. I think what me what me said is true as well. Like we we've, we've seen who he is in in terms of like where he's at as a player this season, and I feel like a lot of the fans nobody had him coming here. Like obviously he had a good preseason and whatever, and and it did get fans excited. Nobody will will lie about that. Do you get what I'm saying? And it's normal. You're a flipping human being. If you see a guy playing well. You get excited about it. You you might think to yourself, yo, this, this guy might actually be a good player. He might actually be able to finish chances. But obviously, like everybody knows, football changes. You come into the season and it doesn't kind of, it doesn't um, play out the way you actually thought it was going to play out. But again, like it's not a thing where we actually thought Jackson was going to come in here and be that 30 goal striker. Nobody actually knew. So the other thing with Jackson, I would say is that I, I'm not telling you that you have to be patient with Jackson, but there there is obviously scope for him to improve. And that's just something that the fans are going to have to hope happens with Jackson. Do you, get, do you get what I'm saying? I do think like what Jackson does do to a lot of teams and a lot of players, which is why their second defender went off injured, is his movement and his work rate and his willingness to, to just keep going. Bro, like mm. he's... You gotta give it to him in that game, bro. Like he did not stop. Bro, bro. Like, I actually yeah. thought the good thing. Actually... Work rate was insane, and I, I don't want to just talk about his work rate, but his technical quality on this the ball saying. is fucking nuts. There was a time where he pulled out to the left. Yeah, two men were on him, comfy dribble. Up, bro, I'm just like, nah, nah, nah. nah. Guy plays like he's a actually winger, a baller. He, he plays like a winger, bro. And I think this is part of the reason. This is part of the reason why I went crazy on him because. I personally actually thought Jackson was having a good game. Yeah, um, yeah. I thought he had a good first half. This is way before he scored. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. way before he missed the chances. I thought he was having a good game. And, like, we're just so... We're, we microanalyzed him, in my opinion. I don't know, innit? But, they're locked in on yeah. that, though, Shane, innit? They're locked it's in on that, though, now, innit? You know how it goes. Once they're locked in on something with the player in terms of... Now they just know Jackson as... And yeah. they'll just see Jackson as a guy that just misses and he's and he's so bad at finishing. So now... They're gonna be locked in on that for the season. We know how it goes, bro. Do you know what yeah. I'm saying? They're gonna be locked in on that, and they're not gonna focus on what we just said in terms of his technical quality on the ball, even his touches when he when the ball goes up to him. His hold up play sometimes is is so good, and and his ability to turn plays. Runs, run well, yeah. Like the yeah. runs he makes. Not many people would have Van der Ven kind of panicking like that the way he was on the yeah. run. Do you get what I'm saying? Like I'm not saying he was panicking, but like he he was definitely. You know, he wasn't confident in getting there. Do you get what I'm saying? Like, he was struggling, bro. And that's 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 all Jackson. Do you get what I'm saying? And I'm not... Bro, you don't get a trophy for that. You don't get a goal for oh, that. But if oh, it, I yeah. want my strikers moving like that, though. Do you get and, what I'm saying? And like, literally, before the game, yeah, before the game, I saw a predicted lineup, And the predicted lineup was the same lineup we went with against Arsenal when we had Palmer up top. Mm. And I said... I said to and I said, I said, you will be crazy not to play Jackson. Because yeah. with, the, with the amount of space, Spurs are going to leave. I didn't think it would be going to be this high, by the way. But I just in my head, I knew there would be some space, right? And I said, with the space they're going to leave on the counter, you'd be ludicrous not to not to play him so that he can make runs yeah. into the channels. And, his and I remember saying, yeah, and I remember saying, go with that lineup. And how wrong would I have been? Because it's like, like, would anybody have been doing that stuff to make those defenders kind of? Get that like, turn around and run. I always say, bro, like first 10, 15 minutes, if you can, make the defenders, get the defenders running back to their own goal. Do you get what I'm saying? That's what you've got to do. You've got to get them running back to their own goal, test them, try and make some runs, try and get in behind. And we haven't had that for a long time, if we're being honest with our strikers. Do you get what I'm saying? So I'm not really going to kill Jackson for like for every single little thing that he does, like in terms of just, just that with the finishing and that, because 
I do I do think we're all aware of the type of player he is and and he's just going to need to improve at the end of the day that's that's all that can that's all he can do in it that's all he can try to do at the end of the day exactly and we we I, honestly as a 22 year old we need to give him room and space you know yeah. what I mean and I feel like very few players especially when they're young have that cutting clinical edge when they're young especially um especially one where he's, he's a bit of a late bloomer really um you need to have you need to have a degree of patience and one thing that I would say about Jackson that I think is a quality that you should not understate is the fact that his movement enables him to get chances regularly you know what I mean regularly even if he's having a bad game even if the team's having a bad game he will slip out a chance. And that's a trait that you shouldn't really throw away. You know what I mean? So I'm 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 quietly content. What right now he's one and two in the Premier League. You know, obviously, you know, it was um it overinflated a bit by um yeah, but by, by by the the goals against Tottenham. But then at the same time I think there are goals that and chances he shouldn't have scored anyway. So he really should be on about one and two anyway. So I'm 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 fine. I'm fine with Jackson. You know, what I mean, obviously, I want another striker. I've been consistent with that, but I think people need to lay off him a little bit. Um, he needs a lot of work, but the more games he plays, the more confident he becomes, the more familiar he is in certain situations. I think you see a real blossoming of a player. There, there, man. Yeah. All, all I'm saying is, yeah, the discourse around <laughs> Nunes and Jackson are two are very different. But, I don't want to say it's Ismael. Yeah. I don't want to say Ismael. I don't want to say it's Ismael. I don't want to say it's Ismael. But all I'm going to say is... All I'm going to say is... All I'm going to say is... Nunes, if, if you want to talk about... You said it so perfectly. The discourse around Nunes is, oh, he's erratic. He's, he causes a handful. He'll cause problems. He will never, he'll never be clinical. Chaos. Chaos. But... Bro, you're rubbing out Jackson from minute one. Low it. Like, I'm, I'm not having it. I'm not Could you imagine, it. if Jackson missed the chance Nunes missed against Liverpool, can you imagine? Bro, bro. Can you actually bro. imagine? Bro, bro. Or like, Luton. These lot, sorry, sorry, yeah, yeah, sorry. The chance against Luton, sorry, is what I meant, sorry. Like, yeah, sorry. I'm telling you, yeah. Ah, <laughs> oh, bruv. And, and bear in mind, bear in mind, bear in mind, you've got a full season of history before that miss, yeah. by the way. Yeah. yeah. You know I mean, yeah. Jackson just come 10 games ago. You got a full archive of misses from Nunes last season, so you add that on top. Imagine if Jackson did that; the Discord would be and so. I, and, I wouldn't, and look, I'm not even saying Jackson. I, I actually think Nunes is is slight, is probably the better player, yeah. But but their their disparities, the disparities uh, are very similar. But one is criticized way more than the other, in my opinion. Yeah, I, my I don't opinion. know about you. I don't think he's better. I don't think. Do you know what better. I think? Do you know what I think? Shem's might like well. You know what Shem said about him being a better player? You know, I, I'm not too sure who is the better player, but what I will say is that yeah. when it definitely comes to like striking the ball, in terms, of who, in terms of who you'd prefer to be your striker, in terms of how they strike the ball, yeah, I, I can kind of yeah, see it's it's that. Nunes, Nunes, Nunes strikes the ball cleaner from distance. Yeah. In terms of finishing, it remains to be seen for me. Yes. Um, no, for- but in terms of ball striker from distance, yeah, I'm comfortable saying that Nunes has got a good striker. In from he hits it with power, with his, you know, because yeah, you know what good... it is. I don't, I don't think the finishes that Jackson had in preseason are fluke, though. I don't think no. they're fluke. You get what I'm saying? They don't look like fluke, like that. I don't know that 
to me, that's why I was excited about Jackson because those finishes, the way you, the way he finished those chances, it's not something for me to look at and be like, oh, well, that's a bit fluky. Do you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. That's a bit. I don't, I don't expect him to do that again. Do you know what I mean? Like that's why I thought like if he got those kind of chances in games, he'd be comfortable putting those away. So I'm a bit surprised that when he has, and to be fair, Meads is right about this point. I don't know how many chances like that Jackson's actually had. If I'm being honest. Yeah, I don't know how many, many. Had like, like that. Not like, many. Like not had many. He's not had yeah, many. Not like so, so, like you, you, he, he's not had many where you think, no, you absolutely have to like, He's had one, in my opinion, where you're like, you have to score. Like one. And that was the, the chance against, um, what's it called? Not in the forest. Yeah. Uh, where he balloons it over. You know yeah, what I'm saying? Yeah. But I've seen, I've seen Nunes do the craziest misses. The craziest because you, know you know what means as well about your point about like you know some of the chances that they get i think us we watch on tv and we think you know those cutbacks that come at you like so quick and you've got to stop yeah. them they no. look they look way easier they look way easier on tv compared to what's actually going on when it happens like in game when there's players around you and you know if you've got a split second to to take the shot and whatever and like don't get me wrong jackson should have definitely got some of those on target at the very least do you get what I'm saying? And that's where I think we can criticise him and be like, bro, at least work the keeper. Do you know what I mean? At least yeah. work the keeper. Can't be getting into... We can't be going into game 20 and you're still ballooning it over. Trust you know me. I mean? Like, so, that, that, then it becomes a little bit, you know... That's what I'm going to say. We'll just give give him space. He's 22. I'm going to give him space to grow. Um, yeah. I'm happy with the hat-trick. There were good goals, in my opinion. Um I think the last one, he was in two minds. Like, do I, can I give it to Modric? Nah. And then the the little the little stumbling of himself, I think he's like indecisive there, but he managed to compose himself around the keeper, a nice little slot. Um, but yeah, man, I thought I thought it was good. There was a, a couple of performers that I, I weren't too best pleased with. Um, I, I want to touch on Enzo Fernandez briefly. Um, mm. Shems, this, this is your time to shine, my, my guy, because we, we've talked about Enzo for quite some time. Um, and we do think he gets away with a lot from the fan base because um, he's a fantastic player. And I think, obviously, generally, you don't want to go too hard on your, your good players, right? But I feel like too many games now have passed where I'm thinking, oh, bro, you could do better. You could do better, bro. Especially think, the shooting. He's starting to drive me a little crazy. Yeah, man. It's, there's, there's, just a, there's a couple of things. And I, the, the thing is that's really frustrating for me, I guess, is that, I watch, I watch Argentina, right? And the Enzo that I see at Argentina is not the same Enzo that I see here. I see Enzo in Argentina as literally like full action, terrier, fantastic with the ball, good ball striking, very, very, very involved in the game. And since the international break, and probably a game before that as well, just seem quite just like this lackadaisical kind of like. Uh, type of performances. I'm like, bro, what, what's going on? Like, and obviously, an international break is going to happen against after, after Man City. He's going to have an, another international break. And I know he's going to play because he, he he plays good for Argentina. He's always ever-present and he stamps his authority in games. I just feel like the game against Spurs, for me, and might, might have been a byproduct of knock um, because it was a bad tackle. So, it did, the game was kind of passing him by. Like he, he was involved, and don't get to, he was okay. But I don't, I didn't feel like he took the game by the scruff. And when you're a player um, that has that much quality, I really expect more. To be honest, um, 
what are you man's thoughts on Enzo and his performances? Um, uh, let's start with you, Jay. Yeah, I'd, like for me, that wasn't um, the type of performance I'd expect from Enzo, especially when we did have like the periods where we were like on top in the game. Because um, I think what we've been wanting to see is a lot more of Liverpool in the second half, Enzo. Do you know what I mean? Like that's the kind of Enzo mm. we've we've been wanting to see a lot of. I have spoken in the past about how I do think his season's been a little bit interrupted with like a lot of the, the like the changes that we've been having to make in midfield, trying to find the midfield balance, trying to find whether he plays up like further up or he plays back in the pivot. Um, but what I will say is that I don't think there's an excuse for maybe, I, I don't want to say he doesn't look interested sometimes, but because I feel like he's always in the game. But I just don't feel like he's really using all of like the skills that he has. I don't really see it. I don't really see as much of it as I should at times in games. And I just think at the moment there's a couple that like the, the other midfielders. I feel like they're they're just giving a little bit more than what than than what Enzo is. That's not saying that he's not working as hard. I, I still think Enzo's working hard when he's in there and that. And I still think he's trying to run and he's trying to get about. But in terms of just him on the ball, we know what that, you know, we know what he can do. And, you know, like the game just before Spurs, I think um, Blackburn midweek, you know, he gets the ball and he plays like this sublime pass to James, like just curls it effortlessly, bro, like into James's path. Do you know what I mean? Through yeah, on goal. Yeah. And that's the kind of stuff that you, you do really want to see from Enzo, along with that little bit of like, you know, that calm head that starts to pop it about, control it. Like like I said, like the Liverpool game where it was a bit hectic, but it just seemed like the only yeah. one that wasn't hectic was, was Enzo. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like against, against Liverpool, against Liverpool, for me, that's the level. Because I know he's yeah. that good. Yeah. Yeah. But that's the level. And I, I, and why I was so disappointed, like, even like in 10 men, and even the situation where we're, we're dominating the midfield now, and I'm feeling like you're passive. It's not making sense. Because mm. Gallagher's active, Casado's active, and I'm I'm just just not quite getting why you you are so just passive. In it, it's it's driving me crazy because there there should be no instance where Conor Gallagher is better than you every week. Like, and it's been like this for like, a couple of weeks now, maybe even months. So I'm just like, bro, you need to step it up. You know what I mean? Because everyone's talking about Lavia returning and. Conor Gallagher apparently being displaced, but if there's anyone to be displaced out of our midfield, if we're looking at performances objectively, yeah. bear in mind I love Enzo, but if we're talking about performances, the person that's likely to be dropped would be Enzo. Do you know what I mean? And I don't get it twisted. I love our midfield balance as it is, but I just feel like we need more from him. To be honest, I don't know what you're feeling about it, Buzzy, but I just feel like we need a bit more from Enzo, especially yeah. in games like this. I don't. I don't think he was bad, but he didn't even. He didn't pass a lot, even, which is weird because we had the ball so much. Um, I pulled up his stats. Yeah. Thirty-four of thirty-eight completed passes. That's not that. That's just not that much passing. One key pass. Uh, he was five for nine on long balls. Um, he won five out of nine of his duels. Only lost possession seven times. Like it's a clean, fine game, but especially when we're up, he wasn't even really the one who was like hitting the the like line breaking passes or trying to bust you know the, the uh, past the offside trap like that. Wasn't really he just didn't stand out, which for some players is cool. But like as you said, the expectation here 
is that he's like bringing us up a notch and hitting, you know, all these like dangerous passes and balls, or at least if he's going to get forward more, which he did, like he's not even getting his shots on target lately. He blasts over yeah. or wide almost every time, um, which is, it is a bit frustrating. So I also saw that I don't think he was pictured training after he cut, he, cause he came off in this game. I think an ankle injury. Yeah. He wasn't pictured training yeah, today. So I'm not even sure he's going to be able to play this next match. Which yeah, I, he, maybe he, we'll he, see he, what he, happens with our midfield balance when I, he's not in. But yeah, I think you know what I think that it might have been like the the kick because that was a bad kick. It was horrible, and it could have it could have messed them up. Like honestly, but I just feel like if that was in isolation, if this was today's game, if that was just I mean um, the game against Spurs in isolation, then I, I probably wouldn't say much about it. But it's been a couple of weeks now. I'm like, mm, Enzo, now nah, I need more from you, brother. And, and like, just just execution of his shooting right now is driving me crazy. Um, I, I I just don't get it. <laughs> I just don't yeah. understand it. But, uh, he um, can shoot, or at least you well, used to. <laughs> I don't know. Um, yeah. yeah. So I want to see. Maybe he's. But I don't know. Just, maybe he's yeah, just playing I, too much. Like you said, he plays every game for Argentina. Plays every game for us. Like he never mm-hmm. drops. Um, maybe being out uh, be kind of nice if he wasn't able to play the Argentina games too. If he's going to be out so he can rest for once, but yeah, I'm not sure. Um, I, I don't think he's been bad by any stretch, but no, I wouldn't like, see. I don't yeah. I'm like, yes. So I wouldn't say that against Spurs, he was bad. I'm, I'm, I'm just saying he just, the game kind of passed him by a bit. And that's for a game with that magnitude. I'm just very, very surprised ultimately. Um, and yeah, it's just something that you need to keep an eye on, really. And I've been saying this for the last couple of weeks. Like, we need to keep an eye on it, really, um, because it, 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 it starts to become a, a bit of a, a recurring pattern at this moment in time. Um, another player that I want to talk about, because I think he was quite polarising, um, Raheem Sterling. Oh, um, beat me to it. Yep. <laughs> yeah, Raheem Sterling. It's, a, it's an odd one, because um, after watching the game back, oh, but let state it quite clearly. Watching it live, I was so frustrated. <laughs> I was so frustrated. I kept thinking, how are these players like are these players not intelligent? Like, what, what's going on? The decision making is crazy. And um after watching it back and looking at certain things, trying to be as objective and emotionless as possible. Um I still feel that way sometimes. But I also think maybe I was being a little bit too heightened with my criticism of the performance. Because I thought, to be honest, in the first half, Raheem was a handful, bro. Um, he was very problematic for the Spurs Spurs team. I think they couldn't really handle him on, on the, the left, really. Um, so I kind of want to get, Jay, your thoughts on on Raheem, really. Because um, yeah, like, he is quite polarising. I think a lot of our fans aren't really appreciating what he brings. But I think he does bring a lot of good qualities, if I'm honest. I feel it was good, to be honest. Yeah, no, same as well. Yeah. Speak on it. You can just yeah, speak I think it was good. I, 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 again, like, I really didn't understand the discourse about Sterling. Like, a lot of people said he was terrible, he was bad. Like, I was like, what? Like, for, like, first half, like you said, and throughout the whole game, in fact, he was a proper handful. Everything, we, all the problems we call Spurs was either through him or Palmer. Do you know what I'm saying? And especially first half, I think Sterling was like, in terms of on the ball, like he was getting at them in and around the box. Obviously, he he um, had a disallowed goal where he was dribbling into the box and he was involved in the penalty when he went down. Um, he also like set up Jackson for a disallowed goal. Like he was causing a lot of problems down at left-hand side in the first half on the ball. And in the second half, it was his movement. You saw his movement really um, 
come into play and cause them cause that high line problems. I think Sterling was good. Like it wasn't. Don't get me wrong. He wasn't fantastic. Um, he did have the the moment with Jackson where I feel like he just didn't trust him, which is which is which was a bad sign. I was thinking, oh, that's not good. I was going to say the same thing. Really, I, it uh, looked yeah. like he wasn't trusting Jackson. He just didn't look like he trusted him. And the thing is with Sterling is that I feel like people like need to accept who he is. Like Sterling's a Sterling's a really good player, but the fact of the matter is he does have moments where he's a bit wasteful or and he doesn't make the right decision. That's kind of him. But overall, the good does outweigh the bad in terms of decision, in terms of dribbling, in terms of his balance, in terms of the ability to link play. Like the good outweighs the bad. And I feel like with Sterling, the reason why he doesn't get the respect that he deserves is because I feel like we a lot of us do major on his weaknesses rather than and the fact of the matter is he's got more strengths than weaknesses. Um, and I'm not going to lie to you. I do feel like Sterling is a bit wasteful. I feel like, despite the fact that he's um, currently, I think in terms of goals, um, only Mo Salah currently in the league has more um, goals and assists than him. Despite his numbers, he could probably have more because you know he can be wasteful. But he's so wasteful. That, yeah, I think I think that's probably why he doesn't get the respect he doesn't deserve. But I think but, taking. But, that you know what's him, crazy though, and I fully yeah. hear you, but then I find it like when you look at like. Mohamed Salah, for example, who don't get it twisted, like he, Salah is definitely a better driller than than Sterling, but Salah is very wasteful as well. I think we need to, like like you said, James. I think we need to get back to a a position of recognizing Raheem for what he is. And you're like, okay, you're always going to get from frustrating elements of players' game. That you know, for me, I think sometimes Eden Hazard, for example, doesn't shoot when I want him to shoot. Exactly. Know? So those things frustrate me. Right, but you have to understand and be objective in what you're seeing on the pitch. And I feel like when people keep saying, "Oh, he should be dropped," "Oh, he's not good enough," I'm like, "Well, that's crazy. Mm, that's, that's, yeah, that's too." Okay, I'll, I'll speak as I, someone on the more, someone on the more who was this game more frustrated with him. So I guess I'm somewhere in the middle. I don't think he should be dropped. I think you need someone doing what he does in the game because, as you said, he is a handful. Even when he's not playing that well or making that good decisions, he is a handful and he makes. The defense yeah. stay stay honest, but that, I yeah, do think the yeah. criticism is valid. In some, well, some this wasn't this wasn't one of those games, but in some games he doesn't look that interested. He doesn't switch on defensively or like follow track his man back or not doing the simple things. That's frustrating. Mm. Today he was up, uh, not today that game he was up for it, but for me, I think I said this during the game, like he was up for it, but that manifested in a, trying a, to do a too much. He, he kept he kept yeah. trying to do 2v1, even 3v1 dribbling, trying to go through the team instead of just passing it or keeping it or, you know, doing something a little more simple. Um, that was very frustrating to watch. I think the play where it ended up working out because Adoki went in on him and got a red, but that was a was a horrible counterattack. It was horrible. He had Jackson w- wide open to his left, and it's fine if you want to ignore the obvious route because you're going to mm-hmm. trip the defenders and then play it out the other way. But then he got the pass so wrong. He was lucky that yeah. you know, he came in and clattered it, it afterwards. It, again, because- yeah. Again, like, that was a horrible moment, but and I don't know if this is a good thing or a bad thing, but because I knew what I was getting with Raheem, I've, I've watched Raheem since he was a teenager. I've seen, yeah, this, in I've seen yeah. this in so many games. I, yeah. I knew that we were going to have moments where he's going to do this in a Chelsea shirt. And there's going to be games where it does cost us. It didn't cost us some money. Yeah. But for me... But this is, terms, yeah, I, I fully hear you because this is what I was saying. I think the idea of players versus the actuality of players, people get angry the idea of the player not being what he actually is. And I yeah. think Raheem, for me, this is why I've always said Raheem, I've never been a fan of the signing, right? But 
there's obvious qualities that he has, but there are obvious deficiencies that he has. You yeah. can't, for yeah. me personally, you can't criticize him for stuff that you knew he already done. And if you didn't already knew he does that, that means you didn't watch enough. So yeah. for you to be then chopping and changing and saying, oh, he's this world-class player, he was super clinical, but then he comes in and he's not clinical, I'll be saying, well, you're the clown. because you Anyone, who, yeah, anyone who thought he was clinical never watched. Yeah, come on, man. <laughs> yeah, but, that, but, but I, bro, I, I'll tell you now, Frank Lampard, for example, used to say, oh, you need to be super ruthless like Raheem. Like, we need a, we need a winger like Raheem because Raheem scores goals. You know what I mean? You know, part, you know part of the issue was too is that, and and this is a fear maybe you included because you didn't want the signing that much. But the thing with him in particular, he is one of those players. Everyone's like, I don't know that city. That city system is really what makes him you know click. And it's not that it's not that he doesn't. It didn't make him click in the sense that he doesn't bring his own qualities and dribbling threat and speed and runs in behind. It's that he is not going to be the guy who is making every chance and finishing off every attack. He is going to be a really, really effective complementary piece to that. But for our team, the way it is, when you look at the lineup, he's the, he's the veteran attacker. And so all of the creativity and the, you know, profligacy in front of goal and like that stuff, all is like hyper analyzed and and under a microscope because he has to be the guy because he's the big name in the attack. And like, if you watch him in city, that, that, that was obvious, the same issues have translated. And for us, it's like, Oh my God, he's unplayable this game. And then the same game, you can see him do three things that frustrate you, but that's okay. Cause we have to play him every game. He is, he is that thing, guy yeah. in our attack. The thing is with Sterling though, as well, I think, I think um, like people definitely over, like they overreact in terms of like, technically what they see technically from Raheem so like some will say oh he doesn't have anything do you get what I'm saying like he's he's like he's really low level technically or or mm-hmm. or like some understand that he actually is good he's a good technical player but he he's just inconsistent with that as well as well as his finishing do you get what I'm saying like sometimes he will dribble past two three guys with ease and sometimes he'll dribble past two two he'll try to dribble past two three guys and it just absolutely won't work but like like we said already, that's that, that's just who Sterling is. That's the type of player he is. He will try to dribble past guys because he knows his ability. But the reality is, it's not always going to come off. Like he, he's never, he's he was never going to be um, the type of efficient dribbler that, say, for example, a Hazard was. He would never be like. Yeah, that. Do you get know what I'm never. saying? He's he's definitely going to be a dribbler that sometimes he can do the amazing thing like the goal against Luton where he decides to, you know, he just decides to go past three, four players and slot it bottom corner. And then there's sometimes where he tries to do what he did against Spurs when they're 10 man down and he tries to go past yeah. three, three. <laughs> and it, and it what, just don't work. And on balance, like, on you, balance, you, the good outweighs the bad. Without realising it yet, Jay, you I can't begrudge, I just want to say, I just can't begrudge yes. somebody that's going to try and make things happen. Especially because, yeah, on, on balance, the good outweighs the bad. Like he's going and, to he's going to threaten more and dribble past people more on average for us than he than he won't. It's just very frustrating because he's a big, big, big volume dribbler. Like he's going to do it again, again, again. He's going to spam the runs. And, he's going to try to go past. And people. also, also without realizing it, Jay, you've actually highlighted why he's so threatening because he can hurt you in different ways. He can do the dribble thing like against Lewin, or he can do the running behind thing. Like, like I just don't get how fans you you see. You watch Sterling perform, the performance against West Ham, the performance against Luton, the performance against Burnley, um, the performance, what, yesterday, uh, I'd say against Spurs. Countless games this season where he's actually performed way more than he hasn't performed and then tell me he should be dropped for Mudrick. The same Mudrick that does the same things that you don't hate Sterling for. That doesn't make no sense to me. 
Honestly, even in yeah, even yeah. in the forest, and he does it. He does it the same, but at a lower level. Like because the runs are like off the ball. Like, it's runs crazy to me. Not levels. If, runs if, off the if ball, you don't like levels. Sterling, you will hate Mudrick. I'm sorry. Yeah, <laughs> I'm yeah. sorry. Yeah. If he thinks if, Sterling doesn't have a good IQ or decision making, Mudrick is like half as half as good based on what he's seen. So, <laughs> so, so essentially, how I see it is because you you want to see something new, because obviously Sterling's been a little bit longer than Mudrick. And you already know Sterling too, like, or you have the idea of Sterling, and you're like, yeah, now nah, this idea, so we've got to wash Sterling. I don't want him anymore. Mudrick is young, hungry, so let let's just give him a go. And I, I get the the sentiment, but at the same time, we need to take into consideration what we actually see on the pitch, and take stock of what was in the pitch. And I can't say with absolute certainty that Raheem should be dropped for Mudrick. However. If you mm-hmm. think that Mudrick, you have a long-term future with Mudrick, then I think you should start making that transition. However, again, I'm saying double however, I don't see a reason why Sterling, as much as I want Mudrick to get games, I don't think right now there's a reason, a valid reason anyway, why Sterling should get dropped for Mudrick. Now, and and me, the, the thing is... Discussion, wait, wait, I'm just going to say, the discussion no, 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 in Kung Fu, the discussion of Nkunku, we're going to have to broach real quick because he's coming back from injury and after the international break. Um, now, that's another discussion you want to have. Cool. But Mudrik, I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. But you're gone, Jake. No, no, no. I was just going to say as well. And the thing is, Raheem Sterling, he's not 32, bro. Like, you get what I'm saying? Like, he's, he, he's still got like a yeah. solid three years where he could be, if, if, if Chelsea do improve the way we all hope they do, in that final third as well, in terms of like just players getting to know each other, um, like like you said, even like in in the past, in terms of patterns maybe getting better, in terms of Poch getting better because Poch can also do better. Like there's so many things that can improve with this team that you would probably want Sterling to also be a part of. Do you get what I'm saying? Because if you get mm. a better Sterling, there is no doubt that you're getting one of the 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 better players in terms of production do you get what i'm saying in terms of goals in terms of assists uh, you're getting a you're getting a bag of that if, if you if you get things right so like it's all well and good wanting somebody like a mudrick to come in and and obviously do well which we all do like all chelsea fans want mudrick to come in and do well but at the same time you also have to think about what the picture looks like if because remember this this isn't the finished article chelsea do you know what i mean or at least, or at least i hope it's not do you know what i mean like i i expect it to get better, <laughs> to get what I'm saying, and when and when you and hopefully when you get better, those other players come along with it. Do you know what I mean? And we spoke on Jackson, and we spoke on what Jackson can maybe do in the future. But with Sterling, what we've got is we've got somebody that if it does click in terms of things get better with the team as well, we know what we get from Sterling when that happens. Mm. Do you see what oh, I'm oh, saying? Managed. And, and yeah. it's so much. It's so much. So also, so, I can't lie to you. The thought of this team, like I've seen some lineups, and I'm just like, bro, like the thought of this Chelsea team without Sterling and Silva, like some people want, that frightens me so much. <laughs> when brother, I say, brother, I'm seeing names, brother. I'll tell you why. We'll tell you why names. We'll names like, oh, bro, oh. I'll tell you why that genuinely scares me. Yeah, sorry. Is that like, look, listen, leadership, experience, know how. It's not the be all and end all, but it's but it's important. It's important. You can't just throw these guys away for the sake of your favourites. Like, look at the way we managed that last, the last um, last stages of that game. It's so clear that these guys they're they're very inexperienced. They they don't know they they haven't been taught how to win yet. Do you know what I'm saying? They haven't been there and done it yet. 
but you've got two guys, two veterans in the game, Sterling and Silva. That we need, like you need, you need people that your teammates can look to, and like lean on if that makes sense. Lean on their experience, learn from them as well. People, people underestimate the fact that you don't. You think you think Palmer's not learning off Sterling. You think Palmer's not watching Sterling in in um, training. You think Carwell was not watching Thiago Silva. Like people were so quick to just like discard them and be like, oh yeah, like Carwell should play, Buddy should play, Bridget play. Cool down, man. If, no, <laughs> there's going to be so no. many big games here yeah, where their know-how and experience is going to be so important. So, again, so a prime reference, right? When we scored the penalty, Cole Palmer went over to the Scotland fans and started giving it the big one. The rest of the team went over and started shushing the fans. What I loved, you know, that was like, that, that filled my heart with joy. However, it got a bit too much. What does Thiago Silva do? Come sprinting from his heart. From his heart. 40-year-old, you know, sprint in from his half to grab everyone and say, all right, all right, cool. Let's get our heads back in the game. Let's let's get into these, man. You know what I'm saying? I don't know if Reese James... I mean, Reese did do it as well a little bit, but I don't know if the level of force, because Reese is shithouse as well. So that yeah. little, little bit yeah, of... Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> and and a bit of composure, like... do you get? That is important. Also, and I think Thiago Silva brings that. And I think that you, you need that in a team, just balance-wise. Yeah. and. Yeah. I don't think I don't trust, especially like Colwell, for example. Oh, I don't yes. trust yeah, as, as much as I love it. as much as I love Colwell, yeah. That yeah. game for me showed me that temperament how young wise, he is. Yeah. how young yeah. he is. Do you get it? Yeah. And yeah. whilst I think personally, potentially, maybe it may have captain material, I think that showed me yesterday that you know, I mean the other day that you know what, nah, he hasn't really he ain't got he ain't there yet. And that's fine because he's still young. You know what I mean? Yeah, but you young. need Thiago Silva around. You need Raheem Sorry. about. And even for me, I like I was saying last season, you need even a Jorginho or or, or Kante this is, this as well. Literally what I was about to say, yeah. Like your point about balance is so key because people I think people are underestimate that so like that that Lampard and Tuchel team, yeah, where it was full of like the Academy players, people underestimate the fact that the the impact that Kante had, Jorginho, Azpilicueta, these are experienced pros that were around to keep these lot in right. check. To, you know what I'm saying? To 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 bring that experience, to bring that no, do you know what I'm saying? Like they didn't it would be very difficult to have achieved what we achieved with the Champions League without those guys. Do you know what I'm saying? That's why for me, I ain't going to lie. I ain't going to lie. Next season, sorry, this is my final point. As excited as a lot of people are to see this team evolve, I'm, I'm, there's a part of me that's a bit worried because when Thiago Silva leaves next season and it's only Sterling and James, potentially, and but James is still yeah. a, a young 20-year-old, boy, like, there's a, there's a lot of... Yeah, and, and, and this is what I'm saying, like, in the biggest of moments, in the peakest of peaks, you need severe concentration and temperament. Right? And yeah. I think in order to achieve anything and win anything, there needs to be a degree of balance. I think us winning the Champions League in 2020-2021 season was fantastic. Amazing achievement considering the young players that we had, considering that Tuchel was only there six months. Amazing achievement. However, we do not win the Champions League without Thiago Silva. We do not win the Champions League without Aspilicueta. We do not win the Champions League without Jorginho and, and Kante. Yeah. We just don't. Yeah. Simply really because well. them man, because them man brought a high degree of experience. Like, uh, uh, like and Jorginho hadn't, he, he only won in Europa League, but still there's a degree of experience and responsibility. Because even at Napoli, even at Chelsea, under Sarri, who was the responsible player on the pitch? Jorginho. 
You know what I'm saying? It's so critical. Like we, and 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 when I was talking about in the summer, I was so frustrated about getting rid of Jorginho, getting rid of Kante. It was hurting me because I'm thinking you lose so much experience. Like that continuity one is painful, but you lose so much experience and know-how. And I just feel like I'm thankful Conor Gallagher got to spend at least a year with Kante. At least. At least. Because I think Kante, watching Kante play, watching Kante train, gives a little bit of an idea of what he needs to do to become a good, good player. But I just feel like we, we've missed the trick in terms of discarding some of the players that have gone. Don't get it twisted. We needed to cull the squad, so I get it. But I think leadership and authority from the senior players is really, really needed. And I think I'm hoping Reese James is something that he grows into um, pretty quickly because, yeah, the thought of Thiago Silva leaving next season and it's just Raheem there as the leader um, in terms of like maturity and you know temperament is a concern. It's a real concern. And I feel if we were to let Thiago Silva go, I'd need someone in like Sergio Ramos. I'd like, fuck I'm, it, get me Ramos. I, I'm, I'm really concerned, I'll be honest with you. I, get, I, get me Ramos. No, I'll I'm be saying, real. Get me Ramos. I, I'm, get, I'm really get me Sergio Ramos or something. I'm really because as talented yeah, I, I as Joe Will for Fana Badishil are, oh, yeah, bro, they're so young. Like, yeah, I, I'm concerned. This team needs leadership. That last 15 minutes, you can see what was happening. And even still, I think mm. slightly, I think Poch takes a little bit of the blame as well because I can envisage. I'm sorry, I'm not trying to do prop here. I can envisage like two call or Klopp. Just getting into them and telling them to really calm it down. Calm you know what I'm saying? Down. Like, yeah, yeah. Like, like you know what though? He actually, he actually young, was. Like, there was a clip of there was a clip of Poch actually um, calling over a few players, and he was trying to call them over because um, I think he wasn't happy with the way they were trying to force the game. Like they were trying, mm. they were they, they were trying too hard to force the game, and I think. I saw it like you saw a couple of clips where Potter was like, "Yo, just move it around, just move like, it all around." Like, when Gusto came on, yeah, like what he was doing, I was just like, "Oh, oh my god!" god. Yeah. I just couldn't Free believe kick. it. Like, oh my, and this, god. this is what I'm saying. Oh bro. Like, was so was the, we can't go Champions League and be doing things like that. Do you know what I'm saying? Nah, like, nah, nah, nah. we'd be finito. Oh, bro, we'd like, be finito. And do you know what it is? A prime example, yeah, was the season before Thiago Silva came in the Champions League where we got bland by. By um, Lampard, well, bland by Bayern Munich, um, with Lampard, right? The lack bland, of bland by Lampard, you said it right the first time, yeah, but yeah, but yeah, yeah, he killed us. <laughs> but remember the team that we put out, we the team we put out, we got fist up in the first leg because it was all a young team. Do you remember? That was a proper young team. I remember Reese James got torn apart by Davies, torn apart, you know. And that was a game where we thought, well, you know what? Maybe I could have quit her. It could have been... You know what I'm trying to say? Like, these sort of things matter. And the leadership, the lack of it will hurt us massively if we don't get it right in the summer. I think if we're going to let Thiago Silva go, I want to something. But it's disappointing that Koulibaly didn't work out. Yeah. 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 If Koulibaly worked out, yeah. then, you know, but... yeah. I agree, but it is what it is, man. But let's move on. Oh, let's move on. There was so much to cover, so thank you guys for your contribution because there's still so much to talk about in the, in the Spurs game. You know, so much. The VAR stuff, I just... I, uh, anyway, anyway, let me know. Let me know. Man City, massive, massive game. Before the international break, 
a nice way for us to kind of assert ourselves and like, you know what, we're about, we're local. Um, what are you man saying? <laughs> it's, a, it's a whole nother test, man. A whole nother test. What are you saying? Shem, talk to me. It's difficult because you don't know what Man City is going to turn up. You don't know what Pep Guardiola is going to turn up. Um, you might get the Pep Guardiola that, that turned up against Man United at Old Trafford last season. Sorry, not last season, a couple of weeks ago. Or you might get the one that turned up at the Emirates. So it's hard to predict. Um, but I think, you know, Poch, it's nothing new to Poch. Poch has beaten Pep, Pep's Manchester City quite a few times. Um, and I think, yeah, I just think we should approach the game in a similar manner, same way we approached Arsenal, just in the mid, in the mid block. Because whilst um, City, I don't think City have. Uh, it's it's hard to. I don't think City are as devastating, you know, without KDB um, yeah. in the team. Uh, and I think if you can kind of cut the supply to Haaland, he can be quite easy to 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 mark out the game. So if we can mid block yeah. and cut the supply to Haaland. That would be a good starting point. And then the only other thing you're really worried about is that is that demon Doku um against Reese James. So for me, yeah. if we can if we can kind of just nullify them, just keep them at bay with a, in a mid-block and just pick our moments, it's possible we can get something from the game, but yeah, it's gonna be very tough. It's gonna be very, very tough. Um, you know what's funny, right? So I look at these big games and I'm like, I'm not crazily concerned because I think obviously there's a lot of expectation for us to to get beat by Man City um, yeah, they are notoriously known as the favourites against us um, and it's been like that for some time which is a shame but we're at home Sunday afternoon kickoff. I have a sneaky suspicion that we, we get a result um they're not firing on all cylinders I think obviously Doku's performance um the other day was sensational. But I've seen Doku come up against Reese James before. And I've seen him get snuffed. So I'm not too overly concerned. Um I, I, I just if we have a decent defensive and midfield structure, I think we can cause them a whole heap of pain. So it, it's gonna be an interesting watch to say the least. I don't think it's as clear cut as many people were making out. Um, City are having a little bit of a tough run so they've got us and they've got Liverpool in their next game after the international break so I think they're going to want to you know, make a good account of themselves um, but I, I don't know, Buzzy how, how are you feeling about this game, especially after the result against Spurs, or what, what are you feeling? Yeah, I do I do put us at a decent odds to, to get a result in any big fixture um, I, I still expect to lose, you know, if you're going to if you're going to ask me to to pick one, they're just—I mean—they're just levels, um, levels above us and most teams, frankly. Um, so, given that, I, I would expect if I'm going to predict the result that they'll still win. But that doesn't mean I don't think we can't get a result. Um, I think we have been better in the bigger games. Uh, we do kind of—it's not a free hit. You don't want to phrase it like that because, like, that just sounds—I don't know—that just sounds bad. Like you're like you're trying to lose. Um, but the expectations are all on them, so it's kind of go out there and play. And uh, yeah, I mean, I two two one maybe two two zero. Oh, I don't know. Um, I, I have a hard time predicting we're going to score really in any game. But I think we can get at them. I think Stones is that too. I, I mean, if you um, if you actually look at our previous couple fixtures, right? So if you were to go from twenty sixteen to now, 
our results aren't actually that bad. Like, no, it's a, it's another fixture we tend to show up for. Yeah, man. I just have a hard time. I have a hard time translating that to this current team. The the thing is, the thing is, yeah, the the games quite even. Yeah, the games that we beat City in, yeah, I feel like have been tactically from our managers. So like Conte and Tuchel, they they have come out. They they've really really brought a plan together and executed it very well. Like so, Conte and Yeti had was counter attack. Tuchel similar. With with like with the pace of like Werner ZH playing those balls in behind like they kind of but then where we came what I saw last season was absolutely perfect like just in terms of like the way we we we, we turned up against City there was nothing there was just no plan you know what I'm saying so I think oh. it really with City like I think you really need to be very pragmatic in your approach and pragmatic doesn't necessarily mean negative it just means you need to have a, a, a real plan and I think I trust Poch he can have like because like I said he's Tottenham teams. Some of the teams have bland pepped quite a few times. I can't lie to you. Yeah. So they've, they've, um, they've hit them up. They've hit them yeah, up quite a few times. So even even last season, for example, yeah, I feel like while it wasn't greater than me, I think even against them, like, we had chances, bro. Like, Actually, yeah, no, I tell a lie. We I tell a lie. The way it was. Like, I, Sorry. The cup games were in my head. That's what it was. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, league- you know, the cup games are different. I think the cup games were really, really poor. I'm yeah, sorry, yeah, we lost one but nil, innit? In, at, at, at the Etihad, yeah, one nil. We lost to them twice, one nil last season. At the Etihad, I, I think we I think I remember Lewis Hall having like four chances. Like we 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 should have got something from that game, you know. We really should have got something from that game. And I, I just I just Whenever we play Man City, I always feel like we're competitive. At the very least, we're competitive. Oh, yeah, that, that's the, the word. Least. I think we'll be. I don't think I don't expect us to win, but I think we can be competitive, and I think we can get a result if we are playing well. That day. Yeah, I, I, I'm not overly, overly pissed. I'm just gonna. I'm just gonna see. I, I think. I think. I'm. I'm quietly confident, man. At the bridge, I'm. Yeah, I'm just quietly confident, and especially I, the way that City, play, the way City yeah. play, I, I just. I feel like we can get the better of them, but we'll see. I, I think, um, yeah, sorry, I was just gonna say that. Like, I think obviously you might know I'm a sicko already when it comes to like Reese James and that. Like I'm, I'm proper looking forward to him versus Docking. I can't lie, like I'm looking forward to it. But um, in terms of Chelsea in general, I think I, I feel like it's the competitiveness that will actually keep us in that game. And obviously give us an opportunity to be able to get something from it. Because even last season, I feel like as bad as we were in that 1-0 defeat at, at the bridge, I think it ended up being like a Kepa mistake that kind of saw them score. Because I think yeah. Grealish, put, Grealish puts it across the box and it's way, way too close to Kepa. And he yeah. just allows it to go, you know, go straight to, I think, Alvarez or, or whoever yeah, it was. No, no, Mara started it. Sorry, Mara's, yeah. yeah. And then... And and I think before all of that, I think Carney hits the post. Um, yeah, like I think someone else had a chance. Was, as well. was in the ten. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, I, and mean, so, I mean, and so that's what I'm saying. Like I feel like I I just feel like in this game on on on, on the weekend, I I reckon I think I think we might possibly have the better fullbacks in terms of on the ball going forward and stuff. I don't know if Walker will be playing or not, but I definitely mm. think in Reese James, I think we'll have. 
you know, we, we should have decent threat there. I think has played all right. Like, he's played quite good coming in. I don't think he's been poor, especially on the ball. I don't think... I think he's starting to show a little bit more of his quality on the ball. So, Caicedo and Gallagher, I think they'll be hungry to, you know, to show what they can do in the midfield and, and make sure that they don't get outworked. And then even up top, I think we've got a little bit of like a... Not a point to prove, but I'm sure Sterling and Palmer are going to be looking forward to that game, bro. Like, I can't... Yeah, I'm going to be hungry, bro. Yeah. There's a, couple, there's a couple of places... There's a couple of places where I feel like the game's going to be won and lost, right? I think the midfield, especially now John Stones, I think he's injured. But the midfield, yeah, I'm going to bet my bottom dollar on Conor Gallagher doing an absolute madness on Rodri. An absolute madness on Rodri. I, 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 there's, I think the mid block that we're going to play against Man City, I, I just have this feel. I can almost like see how it's going to play out in my mind, right? And I just feel like, I honestly think we can hurt them. I, I don't think they're infallible. I think we can really, really hurt them. Because if you look at the midfield battle against Arsenal, they got snuffed. Do you know what I mean? I think they got physically mm. beaten up. And I just, I know that without Rodri, but I just feel like, I just honestly feel like they can get got in that midfield area. And that's very rare for me to say that about a Man City team. Their midfield getting I, dominated. I think it's the confidence, I think it's the confidence that the midfield's giving you, though, isn't it? Do you know what I mean? Exactly. The I look at the confidence that it's It's, it's like for the first time since, you know, we Conte was healthy and playing for us that we're like, yeah. yeah, okay, check. Our midfield is at least as good, if not better, than the team we're playing. Check. Like, done. Exactly. You know? exactly. Like, and I feel like with, with the physicality of Gallagher and Caicedo, their physical capacity is massive. So I just feel like those two, especially their form in the last couple of weeks, I have an absolute trust in them to do a good job physically and at least on a physical level match the opposition, if not better then. So yeah. I think that's where the critical battle is going to be. Because I think Man City generally, if it's not Doku, aren't really creating and carving up teams without Kevin De Bruyne. So it's going to be an interesting battle, man. I think if Reese is switched on and handles Doku, and you break the you you kind of you you break the the connection between um, Haaland, Haaland, Alvarez, and Bernardo. Oh, by Bernardo, yeah. Yeah, and if yeah, Foden, if he plays, you 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 really can stifle their threat. Now, obviously, stopping Doku, who's in a rip vein of form, is going to be an issue. But I've, like I've said, I've seen Reese do it. I've seen Chelsea do it. So, what game see, was that, by the way? Just it was curious. against. It was Champions League. It was, in the Champions it was League. what? It was in the Champions League. Um, what was it? Uh, when was this? Uh, it was years ago. Was it Ren? Was that Ren, I believe? Oh, right. Um, was it? Was it? I think it was, man. It was yeah, no, we did. We did. We faced him in Yeah, I remember. I remember. I remember. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember. I'm getting crazy. But yeah, Doki was there. Um, I think, I think, I think the, team, the, the team will be interesting as well because, like, if Enzo is out, for example, there's two options. You can either... You can either... You can, like it would be a big gamble, but you can either go with Leslie, who obviously he has got talent, but he's not really been involved in many big games yet, especially as a starter, 
Or mm. you go with the two of obviously probably the two most reliable at the moment who we've spoken on, which is Caicedo and Gallagher. And obviously you mm. play Palmer in the 10. Do you get what I'm saying? Then you yeah. get you maybe yeah. get into yeah. it a little bit more. I, I yeah, I, 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 I was right. Sorry, guys. Yeah. Just to clarify, just to clarify, yeah, both games. Doku started the first leg um, and lost. Um, it was a group stage actually. First game um, away. Um, yeah, it was up against Chilwell. Chilwell had him up, and then the second game at the Bridge. Yeah, again, he came up couldn't handle it. So I, yeah, I, I think I, I you can think, before. I actually think the second option is more risky, if I'm honest. Yeah, um, because. If you played the second option, like so, if you have Palmer in a ten, so like let's say you have Mudrik out wide, you've got two wingers. Even though it can hurt City because obviously there'll be spaces behind, you've only really got two out and out central midfielders. Yeah. So that could be quite sticky against. But them. how many do they play though, Shems? Who so like Rodri, Bernardo, Foden will drop in probably. Alvarez will probably drop in as well. It's quite a few. It's quite a few numbers there. Let me let me ask. So let me, why, so let me ask this right. So. I think John Stones has been playing in midfield for them now. He's been injured though. Um, I'm just the midfield balance right now is looking a little bit off. I'm just thinking, considering that Enzo may be a doubt, I could see I could see him doing it, or Leslie Ugochukwu um, coming in essentially just for that midfield stability. But I just feel like. If Enzo does play, that midfield three, as it is, should be fine. But I, ju- I just, I think Palmer could work there, you know. I really do. Um, it's just you have to have Modric really defensively switched on and actually, you know, capitalising and enabling us to dominate that midfield area. That makes sense. But mm. oh, I don't know. I don't know. So this, it's, this, it's this a wonder, which is a different conversation, but I did, it did come to mind during this. What actually happens in the team when Nkunku is fit? There's like four different ways you could probably set us up once he's back, but it affects yeah. it affects the midfield, it affects the attacking band. Personally, I, I, I think the most sensible thing would be to play him up front. I'm not gonna lie to you. Yeah, I, I can see the argument. Thing. I can see. Just, you don't want if, if you're yeah. gonna look I mean, at, if you're gonna look at the Gallagher position currently on paper as like the traditional, you know number 10 or, or supporting attacking midfielder. That's not really what Gallagher's there doing. So, if, yeah, if you're going to argue, yeah. like, oh, Nkunku would be better at that, then sure. But that's not what Gallagher's currently doing. So to drop yeah. him for the team for Nkunku is totally going to change how we're able to play. It's going to, yeah, yeah. To dropping Gallagher for Nkunku would destabilize the midfield. It really would, yeah. in my opinion. Yeah. Uh, I, mean, I, mean, I mean, I mean, I, okay. I, Devil's advocate. Devil's advocate. I don't think it would destabilize the team if you leave Enzo and Caicedo. But does it destabilize the team if you have Caicedo and Labia? Maybe not. Maybe not. Maybe I not. think there's no world that Enzo isn't in our starting lineup every game. No matter. I'm not. I'm not. No, no, no. I'm not saying. No, no. I'm not saying that he should be dropped. But I'm just yeah. saying, if you're talking about balance and structure and solidity, does that necessarily become an issue if you drop Enzo and have a more defensive-minded midfielder alongside Caicedo? I don't think it does. Do you know what I mean? That's not to say that Enzo should be dropped permanently, but I'm just saying, if we're thinking about the structure of the team, you know, does that kind of work out that way? Basically, I think I think if you look at if you look at how Nkunku was used in preseason, um, so he was used in three positions: off the left, number ten, and up front. When he was playing number ten, that was when he performed the worst, really. 
Um, and even saying that he wasn't even that bad, but he, he didn't look like he didn't look great essentially. But when he moved to the left now, he looked great. Mm-hmm. And when he was up front, that's when he lost a couple of goals. The most sensible. I didn't like him up front. We didn't like. I didn't, I didn't really like it either. But, yeah, but he yeah. scored, scored a couple of goals. So I think the most sensible thing. I think when you when you're talking about like oh Jackson, you know Jackson's issues, and Poch is all saying that Jackson needs time to adapt. Blah blah blah. The most sensible thing would be to take him out Friday night, in my opinion. Um, I can see it. I, I think if you asked me for a, uh, from an attacking point of view, if you forget about Gallagher at the at the ten for a minute, I think I would have told you, seeing how good Palmer is playing Kunku left, Palmer in the middle, and Sterling on the right. But then what? Gallagher drops as the other midfielder in, see, in this. See, in this, this you know. And see, this is my thing. My thing is right now. I just feel like we've got like nine players that are working in the team. In my opinion, the only two positions that are questionable is the left back and the striker. Yep. So yeah, I just I feel like, why change the rest? You know what I'm saying? I feel like just just look at what makes sense, and I feel like it's those two positions that if you're going to change anything, it would be those two positions for me. And I think I think the thing I've said to 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 even to Meads about, and we've spoken on this in in the past as well, is that it it also it also depends on the other players. Like we spoke on how how hard it is for Lavia to get into the team because Gallagher's making it difficult. But then if you flip the script now in the striker's position, you've got a guy in Jackson who could possibly make it very easy to make that decision. And that's and, and that's the issue that you'll have there as well. It's like Poch won't won't necessarily put Nkunku up front if Jackson is giving him enough not to put him up front. Do you know what I mean? Like if, if Jackson's yeah, doing enough yeah. for Poch to be like, no, nah, I'm not going to drop him because I feel like even if he's not scoring every game, he's still giving me something that's valuable to the team. But if it yeah. if it starts looking like it's not valuable anymore, and what you're doing isn't really, you know, it's not really something that we feel like we're going to miss, and and Kunku having that little bit more composure, having that little bit more experience, having played up front for Leipzig and whatever, like obviously got the goals in his, like he's got the goals um, there as well. You know, the the evidence is there. So like Poch will be like, all right, cool. You know what? We'll try and Kunku. Do you know what I mean? Jackson's young. He's yeah. got time. Let me try and Kunku up there, and if he bangs, <laughs> if he bangs, then it's like it's, it's going to be. I think it's going to be what what um, possibly what Bazzi said. You know what I mean in terms of Palmer's thrown thrown a spanner in the works completely, completely thrown a spanner and drop him, and now he's taking up a, a wing spot. Yeah, theoretically, yep. and that that this is already leaving Mudrik out of the lineup. This is already leaving Nadaweke out of the lineup. Like Sterling and Palmer, yeah, right. Sterling and Palmer. Sterling and Palmer throw a spanner in the works because Sterling is your experienced goal scorer in terms of like wide attackers or whatever. And then Palmer has obviously come in and hit the ground running. So then you've got Nkunku, who's already been spoken about as a big miss. So that's three players that 100% start. So here's my finger. And and I I just want to, I think if Poch has anything about him, he Mm -hmm. shouldn't make a situation where Nkunku has to come in straight away. And I think we need to, we need to, for me anyway, it needs to be a situation where Nkunku earns his position. And like you said, if Jackson makes it easy for him, if Sterling makes it easy for him, they should come out of the team. I don't think it's a situation where we should be thinking, let's force somebody in just for the sake of forcing them in when it's not necessary. It's it, makes their, it makes it so much worse for the two of them too. Like if, if yeah. uh, it, you know, it, it makes Nkunku have to perform right away coming off a long, bad injury. It yeah, makes you know, not, look worse. Not, my my thing is though, I feel like you're only forcing him in if 
in, in the positions behind the striker. I feel like if you're replacing Jackson, it's not forced. Do you know what I'm saying? So that's why I feel like it makes the most sense. Yeah, I hear you. Because, like, I he's the, like, you know, or if the issue with Jackson yeah, is that he's not scoring consistently, like and Kunku has the track record of scoring, yeah, but, it's but, pretty but, one hey, to but here's my point. But I, I hear that. And I'm just saying it's up to Jackson. And this, I, mm. I don't have any particular loyalty to the NEU's players saying that they must start. I'm saying yeah. it's up to Jackson to make that a situation where it's hard for Nkunku to play. It's up yeah. to Sterling to p- perform to make it difficult for him to be dropped for Nkunku, if that makes sense. It's up to Palmer, yeah. despite the amazing start he's had, it's up to Palmer to retain that shirt. Because yeah. really, truthfully, Palmer, you were his replacement. You know what I'm saying? So it's up to you to retain the shirt. So what I'm saying is we shouldn't... I, I'm not trying to operate from a lens of Nkunku has to play. That's well, Nkunku has to play. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? I'm not operating from that place. I'm operating from a place that you have to, if them man drop the ball, you have to pick it up and you have to run with it, essentially. So it's a difficult question to ask where you think Nkunku should be. I think as a striker, potentially, but I personally was rather seeing out on the left and drifting in and doing damage that way. But then at the same time, I could also understand the idea of him being as the nine, two, um, but yeah, I think it's a, it's an interesting one. So in terms of the lineup for Man City, what are you man going with? If Enzo's fit, if Enzo's not fit, uh, same lineup as Spurs, and um, if Enzo's not fit, I think I'd go with Desi. I hear you. I hear you. Jay, He'd go with Leslie. Oh, Leslie. Yeah, Leslie. Yeah, yeah. And actually, actually, I think I picked Kukurea as well, actually. I hear you. Yeah. I was going to yeah, say, I'm not sure you. I picked the same left back, centre back. I was gonna, no, but... You know what? I, I I don't think it's wise here, but I would actually change my centre back pairing. I'd put Colwell back centre back and I'd put um, Thiago Silva next to him. That's what I was going to say. I did not like, yeah. I did not like some of the stuff I saw from the Sassy against Spurs. I did yeah, not like it. Yeah, it was really, really I concerning. Did, I, did not I, like I did want to touch on it. I did want uh, to touch on it, but I we dealt too Harlan, much. If Harlan gets hold of him, uh, gets him I'm, I'm conceding from now. I'm and and, and the worst thing is, the worst thing is, the worst thing is, I'm envisioning Harlan Slarnaman like onto the Sassy's right foot, and the Sassy hasn't got the mobility to like look at what Son did, and Son was in onto yeah. his left foot. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, I, I'm just envisioning yeah. Harlan doing that, and Harlan can do that. Like he can do that. He's so scored. He like, like that. Like, he scored like that yesterday. Yeah. Like so I'm just like, I, I, just, I just can't. I can't. I can't there were there were certain plays where he looked like the 40 year old in the pairing. Yeah. So in my head, I'm just like, I actually can't. I can't. I can't. I can't see this against C. I'd rather I, play Badia Shield. I'd rather play Colwell in the pairing. I, uh, yeah. That, that's what I'm saying. Like that's that's the that's my thing. Yeah. This is it. This is basically it. Right. Yeah. So I, I, I'm I'm with Shems. I'd definitely play Kukurele at left back because I just think at the moment you're, you're you're giving Colwell like this is his first season, obviously back in the first team, and I feel like you've already given him a lot to do in terms of getting used to that role. He's not only young and obviously inexperienced in terms of being in this big team, but you you're not playing him in his best position. And when he has played there, he's been good. Played there against Arsenal, I felt like he was really good. Played there against Brighton in the cup, he was really good. So I, I just I don't really understand this whole forcing of the sassy thing when now we have Ben Wardas back and we have Silver that can play on the right who's right footed. Like for me, it's just a no brainer. You play Colwood centre back and you play Thiago Silva 
centre back with him. You have James at right back, Kukurea left back. The midfield three, you don't, you know, you don't really fit that. Like, you don't need to fix anything that's not really broken. Do you get what I'm saying? And that midfield has shown fight. They've shown hunger. They've shown that they can even come back into games when you know the tide goes against them, which can easily happen against City for for a period. So I'm happy with that midfield if if Enzo's fit. If he's not fit, I'd actually just go for it and go for Palmer in the ten. And then mm-hmm. I'd play, mm-hmm. and then I'd play, um, I'd play Sterling, Mudrick, and and Jackson, and I, and you know it's 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 a difficult one, and I do think the midfield could be an issue in terms of if you go with that, but at the same time, I do think City have got their issues in midfield. I think I don't think it's as, I don't think it's as clear for them either. Do you get what I'm saying in terms of when they're trying to battle in there? Foden's not a battler. Do you know what I mean? I think Bernardo Silva's a worker, but he's not going to get the better of of Caicedo physically. He's not going to get the better of Gallagher physically, so um, I do think there's a little bit of joy there for us if 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 we play well and the midfield plays well. Do you get what I'm saying? And the the, the back line would have to do a really good job as well. So it's, it's it is what it is against City, isn't it? You have to play ten out of ten anyway to to get a result there. Do you know what I mean? You have to be at the the, the top of your game. So whatever formation we play, really, we have to deliver in every position. Do you get what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah the, ast- the asterisk on every, any of these is, yeah, you know, if, if we if we play well. <laughs> yeah, that's just the nature of the beast, isn't it? Like yeah. against City, really and truly, whatever you play, whether it's like, whether one formation or the other formation is dangerous or not, realistically, you all got to be on song on the day. So, um, and if Palmer and them boys are, I think we hurt them. I think we can hurt them. So, yeah, yeah. Um, that's what I'd, I'd 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 go with the first one in terms of the midfield. If they're fit, but if not, then I, I would I would t- kind of risk it and go for for an extra attacker yeah. in, in Palmer. I hear you. I thought for, for me, team I'd go with obviously Sanchez, Reese James, um, Thiago Silva, Colwell, or Badish or either or. Um, Correa left back, midfielder Enzo, Caicedo, and Gallagher. If there's no Enzo, then I'm I'm gonna play Palmer in midfield. Um, because Palmer's about dog work too. Um, I'd play Mudrick and Sterling out wide and, and Jackson through the middle. I think that's how I'd do it. Again, simply relying upon Palmer's capacity to break the lines. And then, I mean, it's difficult, actually. I actually want to revise that. I think I'll go Leslie. The reason why, I think Mudrick could cause Walker a bad day but I also recognise that Walker is probably the fastest player in the league still. <laughs> so I'm like... He, he loses Mudrick, his advantage, yeah. Yeah, so I'm like, is Mudrick speed... And I think Mudrick might be fast. I don't know if he's faster. It's difficult. So is Mudrick's speed going to cause Walker that much issues? Walker's a machine, bro. That's what I'm saying. So <laughs> I think I might go with something a bit more Mudrick refined. You know what I mean? So I think... <laughs> I think I might I might have something a bit more refined for Walker. Yeah, I'll love to I'll love to Mudrick, but I don't know if City is the tactical Yeah, but uh, I don't the know ta- if the tactical the stressor I want him under. I don't know if this is the one still. So it maybe though, maybe. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. If I saw Mudrick at left wing, I wouldn't be too disheartened. I wouldn't be too too disheartened. You know what I mean? I can see I, I can see like... Poch I can see Poch doing it too where he puts you know if you have to do that, yeah, just play with two midfielders. He puts Sterling left, yeah, then he he does a thing, he puts Gusto right wing and puts James right. <laughs> yeah, back. Like that. You're right, you're right, you're right, you're right, you're right, you're right. But yeah, man. Oh, 
Boy, we'll, we'll see, man. We'll see. It's going to be an interesting one. Score prediction from you, man. I'd like to hear. 1-1. One, one. Can't. 2-1. Two, 2-1. One, two, one yeah, I think it could be a draw, you know. I, I, I could see yeah. it being a draw. I think we might be really tight in this game. Like, I think we might be a little bit different to, to others. I can see us cool. being like a bit more reserved in this game. I mean, cool. wait, Georgina just made a great pass for a goal. Yeah. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Um, I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say two-one Chelsea. That's it. Let's go. Hey, I'm, to, I'm hopeful, but I'm trying to temper my expectations. I'm gonna say two-one City. They are, they are quite clearly a better side than us. Still. Yeah, I'm gonna say two-one. But um, cool. You man, appreciate your time. It's been a long pod. <laughs> but yeah, I appreciate the time. Um, we had a lot to cover. But um, yeah, we'll be back next week. On to the international break, but hopefully we'll win at home against Manchester City. Um, yeah, man. Take care, you man. Peace. All right, cool. Sports Social Podcast Network.